Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on uh, Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew Estate Studios in California. It's episode 255 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Luis and Alec Cuevas of Casa Cuevas Cigars. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Delos Race introduced another chapter of the saga, the Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work, in the spirit of standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. The Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a blend of Cuyolo Lore and Piloto Cubano, wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sides at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And buy Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar in the year 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and fillet tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-year Vintage, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary, the Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Bono Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Cavalier Geneve. Cavalier Cigars, Cavalier Cigars. Smoke gold, stay gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. That's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobacconist and join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars, consistently regarded by cigar lovers everywhere and high ratings by the cigar industry press. You'll want to give them a follow on Instagram. And again, Cavalier underscore cigars. They do unique giveaways throughout the whole year. That's Cavalier Cigars, Smoke Gold, and Stay Gold. And of course, we want to mention Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of their Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. The Cuevas family has now brought their very own brand to, to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. You'll want to try their latest release, the Casa uh, Cuevas Sangre Nueva. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars from our casa to yours. And... Welcome, everybody. This is Prime Time, episode 255. Will Cooper here. I am in the Perdomo Scar Studios on the Black Stage, and I'm joined cross-country in the Drew Estate Studios by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? Good. I'm, I'm still getting my voice back from Nicaragua, as you can yeah. hear, yeah. but uh, I'm feeling okay. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, it was a little rough coming back, I'll say that, but... Um, <laughs> Had an extra extra day in Florida to a little extra before you could day make that drive. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I, a, a little uh, little re- That's why I do that. <laughs> so, um, but no, mm-hmm. it, you know, what's funny is like when you need a rest day in Florida, and I'm like, you know, I love Florida, and I love Miami, and I'm not doing anything in Miami. You know, I needed some like downtime there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I did that. Um, 
you know, but uh, it was great to be in Nicaragua. I could just say that it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a good week um, for sure. And I was mentioning it's a tiring week, no doubt about yeah. it. But I always I always tend to lose my voice in Nicaragua because of something, with, especially when I go up to Esu, the altitude just messes messes up. I, I think it's all the karaoke you do. <laughs> I didn't do karaoke on this trip though, but there is. <laughs> See, I told you though, it is. But there, karaoke. but there is Dojo's got karaoke of me. On video mm-hmm. somewhere. I mean, he it, he's got blackmail karaoke on me. <laughs> yeah. He has not released it. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but hey, why don't we? Uh, let's bring him right in right now because he's yeah. here. Um, welcoming back our good friends from Casa Cuevas Cigars, Luis and Alec Cuevas, guys. So, guys, welcome back to primetime. What's going on, brother? How are you guys? We're good. G- great, great. Uh, it, it's yeah. a pleasure to be here again. Uh, by the way, Coop. So. When you got back from Nicaragua to Miami, you drive from Florida back up? Yeah, so uh, let me explain the, the, the crazy logic behind that, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, so I drive to Florida, and I fly out of Miami, and then okay. I fly back to Miami and drive back. There's a couple of advantages. One is I, uh, I can do my own schedule in Miami, right? So if I want to stay a day or two, I, I have a lot of control of that. Sure. Um, the other thing is this time of the year, is a little crazy with the weather in this part of the country uh, with ice storms. And um, it doesn't take much for an ice storm to knock the airport out here in Charlotte. So, and then there's no direct flight to Nicaragua. I have to either go through Miami or Houston. So um, it's a combination of both of those things, um, which, it, like I said, it's convenient. I come in, I could, I could stay a couple extra days if I want. You know, I'm not tied to a, a connecting flight, which is nice. But but I tend, if I go down in the summer, I don't do that. As I'll, I'll take the connecting flight usually in that case. Okay. I was just curious because I heard you talking to Aaron about it, and I'm going, "Oh, he drove." Okay, that was it. <laughs> I, I wasn't judging you, man. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a bad thing. I was. Just yeah, so. yeah. I and and this time I didn't really get a lot of time in Miami both times because I came in the weekend, so you know, a lot of people aren't around during during. So I came in. I didn't get into Miami till actually Sunday this year, and I flew out on Monday, and then I came back on a Saturday. My plan was to come back on to drive home Sunday, but uh wasn't a hundred percent, I'll just say. So I needed an extra day. <laughs> All right. All yeah, right. to, to do that. Yeah, yeah. Ni- Nicaragua could be a little uh overpowering sometimes, I'll just say that. So <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going to be doing the same thing for Pro Cigar again, too. So I, I know I want to get by the office, but the problem is, like I said, when I came in, you guys aren't around the office on Saturday. That's why. So. So, uh, but yeah, or Sunday. So yeah, um, but yeah. So, Mr. William, if, if you want us to open up the office for you on a Saturday, we will gladly open up the office for you. Also. Um, I, I may take you up on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that kind of clout. I mean, this is. <laughs> I mean, you guys. Yeah, we're 17 minutes away, literally 15, 17 minutes away from one or the other. So, if you want it open, damn it, we're gonna. Go. <laughs> hey, I know I appreciate it too. I mean, we had a that lunch we had. I, I just remember the last time I was there. That lunch was incredible. So. <laughs> And I know it wasn't close to the office where we ate, but you got, we got to go to this place. And boy, that was some really good food. And that was the first time I think I met you, Alec, was that day when I came into the office. Yes, sir. That, that yeah. was actually the very first time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah. like 15, 20 minutes away, give or take. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, no, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that was, uh, that's, that's the logic. Cause people ask me, I, I was asked actually if I drove to Nicaragua. Actually, that was another one I got asked. Okay. Wow. That would be a trip. <laughs> no, I, um, did I, I actually yeah. inquired about it and and some people i really trusted you you're not gonna want to do that <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> they said, you're not going to want to do that. They said, yeah. it was just kind of gently saying, or, you know, we highly advise against it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're going through some pretty suspect little places on the way there, man. Yeah. 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 It, uh, yes. So, uh, yeah. uh, but, uh, no, it was, I tell you, it was good to be back in Nicaragua for sure. I'll just say that. Um, I think they're really happy. They were really happy to see the festival back there as well. Um, I bet. Yeah. So I, I, that was, that was a good thing to see as well. The last time I was in Nicaragua was literally, I was on the, uh, the Perdomo trip in late February, the last Perdomo trip. And then right after that, I got home and, and the lockdowns began a couple of weeks later. So, um, it was kind of ironic that, uh, you know, I went through that, so, you know, and then coming back was kind of interesting. That's cool. Yep. But, uh, no, it's great to have you guys back on, on the show. You know, uh, first of all, you know, guys, I got to really, you know, thank you guys for the support over, over the years. It's been great. You know, I kind of look at, uh, you guys are now in, you guys are now going on six years or in your sixth year, right? Uh, it'll, it'll be, uh, year six, April 1st of this year. Yep. It will be the demarcation point for lack of a better term easy day to remember my grandmother's uh birthday so i always oh, remember nice. the date. anyway and april fool's day and all that other nonsense but anyway yeah <laughs> yeah april, and, april 1st. yeah and and the reason i mention that is because we're in our sixth year as well of this show so oh, that's cool yeah so you guys have really been with us for a long time and it's just kind of i i, I there's a few companies that we have these parallel paths with and, and i think one of them is definitely your company for sure um just because um it, the timing's almost perfect with that too. I never realized it's only been six years. That's amazing. Uh, well, I, I was I had another show I did beforehand, um, and um, but the Coop's been around for thirteen years. But there was a different show I was partnered okay. with, and then I kind of brought the Coop show completely under my umbrella. And Aaron came in. We launched on April thirteenth, two thousand seventeen. So, oh yeah, uh, you're, you're you're dead even with us, just about a couple yeah. weeks. Yep, dude, we're Irish twins. Yeah, I, I, you know, you know what's funny? I have Irish twins. <laughs> My two youngest sons are Irish twins. Really? Yeah, they're 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 a, a little under eleven months apart. This guy and his sister missed it by uh, nineteen days. Oh wow! What's yeah. the deadline? Is there a deadline like for it? Yeah, yeah, there, there, there is, there is, there is. I, I think it's got to be a, a year. Okay. Or under. Under yeah, so, so you got so they're a year and eighteen days apart. So you take off the extra day, nineteen days. Yeah, there, there's a deadline. We looked it up the other day. We're having a conversation. My wife and I have a bunch of friends, and uh, anyway, we meet some some guy's new girlfriend. You go, I have daughters, blah blah blah, and the Irish twins. So the definition kind of popped up, and of course, you grab your phone, you look it up, and there it is. So wow. I'll just kind of without diverging too much here. Uh, I remember when we found out my wife was having my youngest son Stephen, and the doctor said, you know. They're going to be under just around that 11 mark mark on. He's like, you know, that's like really rare. It's like <laughs> he's like, you, you, you know, are you some kind of uh, well, he goes, you must have some magic is what he just said. <laughs> he's like, that's rare that that happened is what he's. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's interesting because we have we have four and the first three are completely even spaced apart, three years apart. And then the fourth one. Uh, you know, isn't, <laughs> isn't, yes. And then uh, just to kind of, I'll just say this, they, my two Irish twins couldn't be further different. They, they are complete opposites. Those two. Uh, it's, it's yeah. So they, they couldn't be, yeah, they couldn't be different. <laughs> so, well, that's awesome. You got four, you got your hands full. Wow. Well, they're all, they're, they're old now. I mean, my youngest is 22, so. No, I get it, but yeah. like, four kids is four kids. Yeah. Four kids is four kids. So, uh. 
So yeah, it's, a, it's awesome. Aaron, uh, no. any kids for you? I have an eight-year-old daughter. That's okay. Well, one was enough for me. Okay. <laughs> I hear you. That's fine. It's all good. And <laughs> I'm not judging. Well, my youngest is my 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 oldest. I'm an is a girl. child. <laughs> oh, your youngest is a girl. My oldest a girl. I'm sorry, my oldest, okay, girl. oldest. And then I have the boys came all after that. So, um, I was kind of like Aaron after having the girl. I'm like, oh, this is fine. And then one boy came, two boys, came, three boys came. So, <laughs> uh, so now we're trying to get them out of the house. So, yeah, <laughs> we have the daughter's married, right? And then the middle son is out of the house. Then and I have two in the house. So I don't see any signs of them. Halfway leaving. there, man. You're halfway they don't, there. They have it too good. They don't want to leave. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you have to sell the house is how it works yeah (laughs) yeah the house we bought only has one bedroom you guys have to find somewhere else to go i don't know what to do well what's interesting (laughs) is you know we this house has been reconfigured a lot right so the bedrooms that they that all like when we moved here we had all four kids here the bedrooms are now um converted to other rooms like so yeah, there's no beds all, all in there. the cigar swag goes in one room <laughs> that's right all I, the yeah I know we, have, it works. we have we have two offices literally <laughs> there's and uh one one is my office and one's my like when i when you see that library that's really my wife's office i'll be honest with you okay yeah. all right Th- then there's the swag room and that's just that's just like disorganized so we're, we're actually working on that so uh so uh, but no but uh you know i i find one thing interesting is that you know um you work with your dad, Alec. Um, you know, I worked with my dad one summer. It was interesting. Um, but you know, you're you're full time with your dad, so family business. Um, let me start with you, Luis. Have you have you always been in the family business, like going back before Casa Cuevas launched in the, in the factory, or were you doing some other things beforehand? Oh, I, I did other things beforehand. I mean, I remember I I, uh, I was a teacher for a while. That's right. Yep, I remember you talking the law school thing, but. Um, Somewhere along the way, when, when my dad had the air conditioning company and I was a, a kid in, in junior high and elementary and, and even high school, uh, my summers were spent working with him in the AC company. Uh, I was doing the attic work. So that was, Summer, why yes, not? <laughs> so yeah, slave labor, right? Um, but if you think about it, it was a family business. My dad and his business partner, and they were the only sole proprietors of this business. They ran it. So I was working there. And then when um, the factory came into being with my uncle, I would spend my summers over there in the factory I mean, just milling about, but I was old enough at least to carry bales and, you know, move tobacco and that kind of thing. So I guess I was, I've been around it a long, long time. And then finally I got into hundred percent back in 2009 was when I finally jumped in with my dad in the factory. So, yeah, I mean, you could say I, I, I've been really working with my dad in some respects through a good chunk of my life. Um, obviously there was, independence there for the other parts of my my life and other careers that I've had but certainly um even even when I was hell even when I first started teaching started teaching I was 22 uh rather than teach summer school I was working with that summer job doing the air conditioning thing as well um at least during the first two or three years so yeah yeah come to think of it I yeah it's been a family thing whether it's been tobacco or otherwise but yeah yeah yeah, I never thought of that till now. Oh, that's good. That's, that's that's a good thing. And Alec, you, I know you would work in retail for a while. I remember, and then you kind of came over uh, a few years ago. So interesting uh, little anecdote behind that. Initially, before I ended up working at the retail location Neptunes, I was working at a Smoothie King. Now, Smoothie King was the very first job I had. In my mindset at the time, was might as well get the fast food stuff out the way. Yeah. Right. Right. Quickly gonna 
but I, re- I really do recall falling in love with the job, not understanding that the hours weren't exactly the best. And I remember coming home one day, my father sitting outside with a couple of friends, Jack Taranio as well, and saying, listen, the position opened up at Neptune. They do need somebody new to be a great fit for you. You smoke cigars. You know more or less what's going on, considering you've grown up at the factory every summer. It could be very insightful for you. And I remember telling both of them flat out, no, you know what? I think I'll stick with Smoothie King. I, <laughs> true story. I, I kid you not. The next week. Tremendous ambitions. I had. Yeah. Go figure, right? <laughs> he, was on, he was on the management track, right? He was on the right. <laughs> I, I had a, a very, very fast reality check the week following. I got situated with a, uh, a bad partner, so to speak, that kind of left everything in, in disarray. And I had to stay there till about three in the morning, essentially cleaning everything up. Wow. My shift ended at 1130 at night. So I was there for some time. And I remember coming home and telling my dad, where the hell do I sign up? From <laughs> 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 that point, um, I do consider Neptune to be a second family. Worked there for close to about a full year or so. Uh, most of all the cigars that I was able to taste, thankfully, was due to them, which was tremendous. And then fast forward, started packaging for us for Casa Cuevas and moved full on board into uh, Casa Cuevas Cigars. And here I am. I've been here ever since. No, um, and, you know, I got to say, you know, I was at the trade show this year. And, Alec, you were just like, you, was, you, you were so polished, you were pro. I mean, you look like you were doing this for 10 years. I, I'm not kidding you. Uh, it, was, it was a great thing to see this year, you at the trade show. Um, you've really grown into this role. And... Uh, like I said, I'm, I, I was proud to see this kind of, you know, happen with you, too. So uh, I'm sure your dad was incredibly proud as well. Thank you, Coop. That means a lot to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was. I was very proud. I think I mentioned this before yeah. maybe in passing that I was really concerned with um, the fact that as soon as we got off the plane, and obviously all these flights have industry people on them, right? Yep. Depending right. on what the day before, they have, whatever, anyway. So we're getting off and we're getting to the to the booth and looking how it's going, setting up and all that nonsense. And people are coming up going, hey, Alec, I'm looking forward to tasting you. And hey, Alec. And it was all out of the video, right? And I'm going, if this cigar takes a shit, yeah. <laughs> this poor kid, you can't, you can't bounce back from that, right? Well, I remember we talked a little about this. Yes, we talked about it. I know. Yeah. 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 And that just, I wasn't going to tell him anything, but I'm going, oh, dear Lord. He told me um, after the fact. After the fact. But mm-hmm. I'm going, my God. Because we can come out with something that's awful, let's say, in our next line. But you go, my gosh, you know, they've had really good cigars over the last, you know, five years and this year's launch. I don't know. It's a dud, but you know, you can forgive it because the others have been good and so forth, but you can't screw up your first one and go, Hey, don't mind that one. Look away. Nothing to see here. That (laughs) second one I got for you. This one's going to be the one, you know? So it was either do or die. I gotta, uh, I gotta give my, my (laughs) nerve wracking some credit here because I was also very nerve wracked and something I I, I distinctly recall the second day coming into the room, very jittery. I was really nervous. Uh, Thank you. It really does mean a lot to me. You said I I looked like a pro up there. I was shivering in my boots, (laughs) just any conversation (laughs) I would have. Um, and my father was like, listen, relax. You're doing amazing so far. And that, that really took me the rest of the way through for PCA. So, yeah. Yeah. So we come in like the coop crew comes in, we have a four man team. Um, and we have different roles and bear, bear does the interviews. And I remember we're getting ready to set up and, and, and Luis goes, Alex has taken this one over. <laughs> yeah. So he just like, like punted the whole thing to Alex at, Alex at that point. And, uh, I, I didn't do a single interview at PCA. Not, I not know. Right. Yeah. 
I know you did, but we, I kind of, I kind of knew it was going to be good because you had done that pre-show with us and you, yeah. you were great that day. So I, 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 I knew it was going to go well at that point, but, but when you're on that stage at PCA, it can be nerve wracking. There's no question about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think so. It can be nerve wracking. Yeah. He handled it really well. And then post PCA, because the, the cigar was still had some legs on, on the buzz and everything else. I mean, everything after that, what we did in terms of interviews and everything, it was all him. I mean, literally, he'd be doing an interview out here and I'd be over there smoking a cigar, talking with his mom or we'd be inside watching a movie or whatever. Uh, it was his thing. It was his gig. And he did a great job with it. So I'm pretty blessed that way. And I'm proud yeah. of him. Very, very. No, it's good. It's good. So let's kind of go back. Uh, the cigar we're talking about that Alex spearheaded is Sangre Nueva, which uh, I'm smoking. And um, this was, I mean, from the very beginning, this was a project that um, you guys said this was Alex baby from, from the start. Yes, sir. Uh, so much is down to the name, to the coloration of the bands. Um, for the longest time, to give a little bit of a backstory on it, a lot of people in the industry know me as uh, one of the younger ones. So uh, the young buck, young blood and so forth. Right. And it came up again on, on multiple podcasts, almost kind of like as a, as a, as a gag, an ongoing gag, considering I've been at the factory for so long at this point, to which my father says, you know what, why not? Let's give it a go. Um, you have any ideas for names? And I remember we were sitting down for lunch and I came up with Sangre Joven. And my father says, Sangre Joven, it doesn't roll too well off the tongue. We come off of Sangre Joven. And I was like, no, you know what, you're probably right. So we pedaled back and, and I was like, you know what, how about Sangre Nueva? And it had a nice ring to it. Uh, later on that same month, one of us, I'm not quite sure which one, was smoking a Habano up front, uh, just our regular Coraline Habano, and we ended up staying at our office place for a good amount of time. There was a lot of people to do that day. However, there was also a thunderstorm happening at that time. I'm the one that left the cigar outside. There you go. And I left it outside. When I pulled up into the driveway coming back home, so did my father, the cigar was found on the side turf, but the environment got to it, all the rain, the precipitation and everything else. It changed the coloration of that red bands to something similar to copper, similar to what Sangre Nueva has now. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with the color. I took a photo of it and kind of kept it in the back of my mind. And when it came down to what the design would be for the, for, you know, the actual band and everything else, I was like, you know what, why not this coloration? And it really popped. It works very well with the Ecuadorian Cameroon that it carries on it. Um, I think it was a perfect fit. And it, this cigar means a lot more to me than just, you know, my first blends. This industry has been so welcoming, especially with somebody so young. And I feel as if a lot of people that are within my age, early 20s, going into mid-20, well, mid-20 at this point, um, are very intimidated by our industry, especially if they're a first-time smoker. And I feel like a lot of them fail to realize that everybody in this industry is very knowledgeable, knows what they're doing, and they're welcoming you with open arms. So it's really a testament not only to my family and everything that they've taught me, which have allowed me to really create the blend as, as itself, but also to essentially everybody in the industry that has been so kind with me, especially a new face coming into this industry. Yeah, no, it's uh, I remember you were telling that band story, too. Uh, I believe it went me on because I, I commented. I remember it's such a unique um, color band. Yeah. Um. And it really does go well against that Cameroon rapper. I, I got to say that it's um that, that was pure chance. I mean, pure luck. It really was. It really <laughs> that if you leave an Abano uh, band outside in South Florida weather in the summer, and uh, the elements get to it over a day or so, twenty four hours, thirty hours, whatever it may be, between right. the sun and the rain and everything, 
that's what it turns into. It looks kind of like that. Right. So Alec, Alec took a picture and uh, he goes, I really like this. And he sent it to Umberto, Umberto Arias, who we work yep. with, package design. And he goes, yeah, I, I can, I can do that. I can do that. And here it is. So it must've been fun to replicate that on the ring though. I mean, okay, now we got to come up with the color with this on the ring. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that was another fun step to do that. Yeah. I mean, he handled, well, he would handle the checkoffs, right? Uh, Umberto, um, I remember the first, the very first time he came up with a, with a box. He sent us um, what, what did you call it? What did it look like? It looked like, like the Lion King. Something Lion out King. of the Lion King. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was like the sun rising. It was very strange. And, uh, <laughs> and we go, no, that's not what we're thinking of. But hey, had he liked the whole sun rising Lion King motif? I would have gone, gone with it. It was, it was right, his yeah. thing, you know. So, <laughs> right. but, but yeah. I remember that day when oh, we yeah. get up uh, to the mail first thing in the morning. My father comes in. Good morning. How are you? The whole nine. And I'm cracking up. And he goes, what are you cackling about over there? I was like, take a look at this. And I was like, doesn't this remind you of Simba? It was pretty. Yeah. I got, if, I, if I'm able to dig up that, that email, I'm, I'm going to send it to you guys privately. Right. So you can see what would have been. That never all right. <laughs> it doesn't fit who we are, yeah. right? As a company, yeah. we're like, what the hell? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of times on the show, like we I, I have deliberately tried to avoid talking about rapper binder filler, right? Um, but I think in this case, I do want to talk rapper binder filler with this cigar. Because this cigar, it, it really when I looked at the blend, I remember when it came out. This was like a true concoction is what I looked at. And, you know, it, it's like different tobaccos that were really married together that I just haven't seen. Like you have Cameroon, Honduran Corojo, Pennsylvania Broadleaf, like there's that fire cured leaf we're going to talk about. Yeah. So, Alec, take me through this because you you definitely created a blend, you know, that was definitely not, I don't think we've seen a recipe like this before. <laughs> so. Truth be told, I've always been a sucker for Cameroon. Right. Um, and getting our hands on it, at least in the past, was something that was really, really difficult for a lot of different reasons. But finally, it came around the curve where Ecuadorian Cameroon came into the photo. And I was like, oh, we got to make a cigar with that. So we started off initially with the first four. We're predominantly Lijero factory, so we like our cigars to carry some sort of strength with it. Right. And lines one through four, number three really stood out. Number three at that time was one of the only ones that had that Corojo binder that currently right. is now. So as the other blends were coming out, I kept on gravitating back to the number three. And I'd find myself going back to it and back to it, but I knew that I wanted to add something a little bit more. I didn't know what. I just knew that I wanted to give it a nice little extra layer of complexity. So I remember asking my grandfather at that moment, what do we have at the factory that we can just make at this point as, you know, as a, as a tinkering product, something that's just experimental. And that's when blends nine through 12 were made. Now those blends, blend number 10 and number 11 carried that Kentucky fire cured. Number 11 carried more than what we currently decided with, which is blend number 10. Um, and I remember my father enjoying number 11 my mom felt in love. She had this enormous adoration for blend number 11. Did. But in my eyes, it tasted a lot like the Kentucky Fire Creek from Jewel States. It was just, mm -hmm. not to say it's a, it's a bad, that mesquite barbecue flavor is not to say it's a bad right. thing. I just didn't want that to be the only thing you could pick up on the cigar. Right. It, it reinvented back into a one note. So going back to the number 10, I remember, and you can ask my father about this true story. We're all sitting down. My grandfather included early morning. And this is when the double perfecto vitolas were just created with that number 10 blend. 
and the smile that perked up on my face, I got beyond excited. I, I, I felt like that was the one I got. That was a little niche that I needed, that little extra oomph to the cigar. So the Cameroon basis was always going to be there. Um, the Corojo binder was a nice added little oomph as well. But with the Pennsylvania broadleaf and then especially that Kentucky fire cure, just a sliver of it. I think that's what really makes the cigar. We, we use a lot of broadleaf in, in our stuff. My dad's yeah. a real fan of, of broadleaf as filler. Um, he's reluctant to use as a, as a wrapper and we might do it eventually, but, um, it's, it's expensive. It's difficult to work with, but more than so it's, so you guys back there, when you, when you, when you buy a bale of tobacco, you buy stem included, obviously you can buy it for the most part, you buy it veined, um, a third of the weight about 30% of the weight of a broadleaf wrapper leaf is that stem right. so you're, you're you're paying for that and obviously you're going to pass it on to the consumer but you know wow yeah so we don't use it as much or only for a couple of customers over the past years that i've been there that we've used it as a wrapper but he loves it as a filler and the corojo we had just done patrimony which is doing so well yeah so my father goes hey alec you know you want to try different binders let's try corojo also and again he and my dad were doing their shop talk. I just kind of sat on the sidelines and watched, right. kind of like my dolphins are doing now for the Super Bowl. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and so they decided on it, and that was it. So it was just piecemeal. But it's, it's 13 blends, right? It's 13 blends. So there's a lot to play with in 13 blends. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, he told my dad, I want to try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that, try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that. And here we are. The best part about it was that when he brought up the notion of using that Corojo binder out of those initial four, he didn't mention which one it was. He had the entire sheet with the breakdown and everything else, but he says, let's just go on ahead and start off with these smoke through them. Let's see. And yeah. number three just kept on resonating. Yeah, I was like, what's in this? That's a fun operation. Whenever yeah. we, we, we try something that um, we give a series of, in this case, I was giving a series of ingredients. And so my father would bring back the cigars numbered and the ingredients were in different, arrays or different proportions throughout but you didn't know the only one that had the cheat sheet was my father right but we'd we'd smoke through it and then we'd take notes we'd discuss it and then he'd open up the cheat sheet okay this one has this this one has that and you start doing oh that really that one has how much percentage of uh nicaraguan the hero oh really well if we up that and we take and that's where he would come in and just kind of play and play and play well, this was way too spicy this was not it's fun it's it's a fun thing to do uh, you got to give yourself time, which you gave us ourselves ample time, but for the boxes. But, um, you know, it was uh, it was fun to watch and it was fun to watch him a lot of times go back in his Rolodex of other cigars that I had not smoked. And he's going, this reminds me of this flavor profile and this and the other and, da, 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 and whatever. So I think that helped a lot. The fact that he smoked so much from so many different brands and he remembers it all, which is testament to him. I'm always amazed by that. But uh, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It was cool to watch him work with it. You know, it was a lot. Yeah. Of fun. It was really cool. And it was proud. And I was proud of him. It, you know, listen, if, if he had no idea what the hell he was doing, we would have overrode his, his, his taste. And said, no, <laughs> right. right. This, this is trash. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> rightfully so. I mean, you know, in the end, it's a business, right? Yeah. Right. Jesus yeah. Christ. You know, we like it. No one else is going to like this. <laughs> Dog turd. No, <laughs> but that wasn't the case. No, you know, it was, I remember when I did find, I remember when you did say 
I knew that I knew there was fire cured in there. I forget if you had said it on the show or if you said it at the trade show. Um, and I had I remember I'm at the trade show and I had the uh, cigar. Uh, it was I believe I had the robusto, and I did smell the footer, and you could smell the fire cured on the footer for sure. But when I lit it up, I was amazed that it really wasn't overpowering that blend for sure. I mean, isn't that cool though? I mean, I was yeah, by that too. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, like I said, if I smell the foot, it was like there's fire cured in here for sure, right? But um, but like I said the blend, it was very, it was it was very, and I've I've had hit or miss with the with the fire cured tobacco, um. But I was like, like I said, it's a very it, the cigar was very unique. Uh, it definitely didn't have any flavor profile I had before. You know what else gives it away? Which we learned. Um, we did uh, an interview with the guys from Boveda, and when they first got it, they did the cold draw. Yeah. And there, it just pops. Yep. So if you're familiar with that tobacco, you know it's there. The cool thing, and this just worked out, guys. Not because master blending aside, it just the proportion worked. The cool thing that I find about this, and I'm, I was about to out loud say how much I enjoy this cigar because I love the cigar. It just works with it. It doesn't overpower it. You know it's there. You got to think about it. But it's not like your typical KFC cigar where, bam, all you taste is barbecue. Yeah. You know, um, this, for whatever reason, that, that amount just, just works. It just works. Yeah. yeah. So, And that, that was the opposite for me, Coop, because I don't, I don't remember ever hearing that prior to smoking it I, I think it was at the show he said it to bear okay. in the interview yeah that's why I, I don't think it was on our show i think it was yeah because i remember when i smoked it the first time we have like a little chat group uh with some guys around some media sites and stuff like that and i asked him i said has anybody smoked the cigar yet because i need to know if i put the cigar next to another cigar that made it smell this way or if it's actually in this cigar and they're like no that's it's it has fire tobacco in it and i was like okay i'm not crazy that but i yeah going into it i didn't know that so it was interesting kind of an experience and like you said it's not an overpowering version of it which is the right i think the right way to use it yeah you, like really want to be bombarded by it but yeah as, as a complimentary component that yeah i think that's the right way to use that's it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah complimentary yeah. component yeah. Yep. as a factory the, the so you guys have a lot of experience with the fire cured tobacco this is not something that was new to your as a factory because you go back now it's 10 years ago your factory produced the lasia black <laughs> that's the very first time and, I, and i've told the story yeah the great story where sam we ran into the the tobacco itself by pure chance if you're right or by luck because he was looking for italian tobacco mm -hmm. and it was an italian company that does pipe tobacco and they were buying that so the guy that was selling the tobacco mistook because it wasn't the owner of, of um, the place where we went to go buy it, the purveyor. He mistook the Italians buying it for Italian tobacco. Mm -hmm. And that's how Kentucky Fire Cure came into our, our hands. And we, we played with it. So, yeah, we've had experience on it. That's why my dad, by the way, I, I think you might find this interesting. Consider that the Kentucky Fire Cured that is being used in our cigars now is, has been aged for about 12 years now. Mm. I mean, we didn't go out and buy a bale of KFC to do this. Right, right. There were bales left over from yeah. when Sam was doing a cigar with us. Right. It never dawned on me until right now, but yeah, we, we haven't bought any for, 
for this project. Oh, wow. We just had, to, and then we're using so little of it. It may last another damn 10 years. Right. It's damn long <laughs> Chinese matches that I bought with, with Gabriel Alvarez back in 2016. I still have those matches. Yeah. I, I still have thousands of those damn matches. They never run out. Yeah. 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 So I have, a, he sent me a bunch of those matches. too. <laughs> oh my God. I, I can send you more. If anybody out there wants matches, boy, I have matches. <laughs> Those long boxes with the yeah, <laughs> they never end. I got a brick at me, send me one. So, so that so that KFC is going back from that date. Those bales date back to then. Wow, it just yeah, like an epiphany. I just had that thought, it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah no, my, my what my wife had sent me to the store to buy saffron for some recipe she was making, right? Uh-huh. So, I go to the spice aisle and I look for saffron, and you get this you, you know, your normal spice jar size. And it's got this like little plastic tube inside of it that has these little threads in it, right? Threads. I'm like, and it's super expensive. It's like $20 yeah. a bottle, right? And I'm like, I hope there's enough in this one jar for her. And then she's like, no, you, if you use a, a bunch of this, you're going to overpower the recipe. Like, it's just like you take the slightest amount. Right. This jar will last us forever, even though it looks like there's nothing in it. And I, I it sounds like the same way. It's pretty tobacco. much the same thing. There you go. <laughs> Honey, this is a saffron we bought in 2009, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that brings an interesting point with this. And again, this is why I wanted to talk a lot about a little more about wrapper binder filter. It, it's amazing because a lot of the fire cured blends that I've seen have been more emphasizing the fire cured tobacco. And when I was trying to think of another cigar that kind of used it in this small sliver, I really couldn't come up with another one. And I was like, that's kind of surprising because what you guys did, I think, is is totally the right way to, to build this blend. Because Sam's blend was was very much on that fire cure. That was the whole story with that was, was in the filler. Yeah. When we first started, uh, I remember playing and Sam, Sam's just phenomenal at blending. Right. And right. we had this brand new gigantic leaf that smelled like barbecue so what do you do with it so you start playing with it as a wrap it wasn't going to work it wouldn't hold press it's just too thick as a binder same issue and then you start putting in the in the cigar and it's just wow it just pops yeah. but it was a new thing it actually it i remember he launched it um at the same time the same year that Drew Estate launched their KFC. He, he beat them to market with it. He actually beat them to market with it. He beat them to market uh, with it. Yep. And then Grand, yep. Grand Havano kind of followed fairly quickly with uh, one as well, right? Yeah. So. Yep, yep. Huh? Yep. I remember that was the year of the fire cure, 2013. Um, that was a big year. Yeah. It's been a bit. Yep. It's been a bit. So either you love it or you hate it. Right. Um, I, I Listen, I don't dislike it. It just bores me after a while. Right. Okay. Uh, after a while, I'm just all I can taste, and I I want something different. So you know, we, we could play with it blending wise, but it's a one and done. If we didn't pick it, we didn't pick it. But this just turned out to be so darn good. They for me anyway. I mean, I I'm, I'm in love with the cigar. Uh, oh, it's yeah. favorite out of our line. I think it's a terrific cigar, and and it's just enough there that you get a little. It's a complimentary flavor. Yeah, it, it like really. Aaron it, Aaron was spot on with that. It's complimentary. Yeah. And, and like I said, I like, I'm just like, well, why haven't more people, like, like I said, they all, I'm not knocking because some of those fire cured cigars, they age really like, I'll tell people KFCs age really good. I like KFCs with a couple of years of age on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lucia Blacks were the same way when I was smoking them in 2015, 16, because they get really sweet. It, it happened. Um, you know, it's, they, they do. I just find they age really well. So, um. Well, well, perhaps the fact that these damn bales are, you know, over a decade old. Right. 
Uh, maybe it has something to do with it. I yeah. don't know. I, I got to really play around with it. Actually, when we go back uh, to the factory again um, next month, we're going to get a hand from one of the purveyors, a fresh hand. Well, it won't be fresh. It's always two years old, right? Every right. tobacco is always aged a couple years before you start yeah. using whatever. It's going to be a hell of a lot younger than, and see what happens using the same proportions. And I'll report back to you, gentlemen. I'll, you know, I'll write an essay or something and send it your way. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious. You know, I normally never say this, right? Like, because, you know, a lot of people love Lanceros. And you guys have done great with the Flacos, by the way. But I actually am curious to see what this would be like in a Lancero. You know, we did one. We did, did one as a as a one and done for Christine Odell out in California. Oh wow! But she's my broker over there for her birthday. Uh huh. Wanted uh, those cigars, so we made a uh, hundred of them. Yep. And uh, they were her birthday gift, and they were very good. But my father made it a point to tell me that it's really difficult, <laughs> really difficult to roll them. I bet because they take so damn long to roll. Um, because they have to hold them pressed for so long. Yeah, the, the cigar is so thin and KFC is so thick that you can't give it just a normal amount of press you would give it when you're doing a regular Lancero. So it's yeah. like double the trouble to do it. And he's going, yeah. Tell this young lady that this is not going to be regular production. I like Christine, I like Jim a lot. Done. And I go, All right, pops, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. It- but so I want to talk about the size that we're smoking tonight a bit, and then we'll give some thoughts on Aaron. And I will get some thoughts towards the end of the segment on the experience of it. But um, I'm smoking the like we're smoking double perfectos tonight. This is a different size for you guys. You guys hadn't done a double perfecto, as far as I'm aware, at least from a national release up until this no, point. No, no, you're right, sir. Okay. Double perfecto. I so to give a little bit of inspiration and especially credit. One of the very first double perfectos that I personally smoked was when I started working at the retail location, and it was the Rocky Patel 55. Mm. Now, the 55 had that double perfecto mix, yep. and what really caught me off guard about it was a, a term that I use very uh, super frequently anyway, um, which is that it blossoms on you. You yeah. get through that concise pull, and once you get to the shoulders, when a cigar really comes in, and that's where mm. a lot of the underlying flavors of a cigar could end up really shining. So... I fell in love with the size personally. Uh, whenever I do see a good, a damn good double perfecto, it irks me not to pick it up. I feel as if I need to smoke one. Um, so to incorporate that into our lineup, I wanted that double perfecto for a couple different reasons. Thing number one, six by sixties is something that we tend to do very often. It's also one of the three best selling sizes in the states. Yep. That being said, though, a sixty isn't for everyone. I personally don't smoke sixties. Neither does my father. But with the double perfecto having that little round off that 58, it doesn't feel like you have such a large cigar, you know, like you're smoking such a large gauge cigar. It's something no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's more akin to smoking. Um, I wouldn't say a Toro either, but something similar to like, let's say a 54. Really. 54 was exactly what was in my head on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was that concept. And then the blossom effect, um, specifically with Sangre Nueva, just that little tinge of Kentucky fire cured that blossom effect where you could taste it on the draw initially. And then once it opened up, the rest of the flavors really kicked in. Then you start getting a little more of the sweet tones of the Kentucky fire cured, that little bitterness that it carries because of the Ecuadorian Cameroon is still hanging strong. It just, it worked very well. And what was initially going to be a cigar that was relatively complex became something that was very full in flavor. And that's why I essentially got up out of my seat that day and was doing laps around the table. He, he was really thrilled with the way it came out. And that right. became his favorite. Um, we, 
we needed to have the big gauge, right? So do we go back to another 60? Because even though I don't smoke them, they sell. There are there are there are shops that that's what they go for. There's yeah. you guys know this yeah. ring yeah. gauge, big ring gauge guys out there and women who, mm -hmm. who like the big ring gauges, and they just do. So yeah. you're kind of remiss if you don't have it as part of your lineup, I think. Yeah. Um, so again, shit, another 60, another 60. <laughs> and so he goes, I smoke this, bap, 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 and we have okay. the molds. So off we went, and here we are. Um, yeah. I mean, everything. This is kind of like a like a perfect storm to some degree. I mean, if if you like the cigar, which I do, but I, this is the one where I will pick up the fifty eights and I'll smoke them on a regular basis. Where you'll never see me smoking a sixty, except if I'm doing an event and I'm I'm picking it up because I got to put it down constantly to talk to people, whatever else you know that that light and relight and light and relight, whatever. Uh, it's kind of hard to enjoy a, a Toro that way. But otherwise, I just don't, I don't, I don't pick them. I don't like them. Yeah. I don't. Not even my own. I just don't like 60s. It's not necessarily for everyone. This one, boy, oh boy, I'm good with it. And it's that tapering effect at the end yeah. where it yeah. feels like a 54 than it does a 58, right? Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. And I'm just, I don't know if you can see, I don't know if the camera's in trouble, but that's the cap I pulled off of it. So mm -hmm. I still have, you know, yep. I still have plenty of, uh, I don't know, is it showing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like, you know, I, I still have plenty of the tapering. And uh, to me, like I said, it's, it's like having, I have, you know, it, it's probably like having a 54 in, in this case. It's a much smaller gauge cigar yeah. than that yeah. 60. You're like, all right, you get locked jaw. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, come on. And look, we were talking a little before in the green room before the show. This cigar, um, it, it smokes like a double, perf I would expect a double tapered cigar to smoke. Um, you know, you, you're going to like that and it, it, it's going to, it's going to take a bit to, for it to open. Right. Yeah. Um, you're just not going to start puffing on it and, 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 and getting the crescendo of, uh, you know, of those notes right away, but it, it kind of eases into it. Um, and I, I think it was, I, I think the draw is fantastic on this thing, by the way, it's not, and here's the thing, it, it's not too open, easy to draw. Because sometimes on a, on these these cigars, they can be a little more open than I like it. Uh, it's, it's, it's right at the light level here for me. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm happy with that, too. Yeah, and thank you, by the way. And I'm glad you brought that up because we, we've had uh, local shops here. And, and I'm going to give a shout out to them, Casa Humos, whom we partnered up with in, here in, in Doral. Um, we had a couple of consumers and I had close friends of mine say, hey, such and such says that, you know, they're tight. When you first cut them and you're, you're lighting them up, they're, they're, you know, they're, their cigars are tight. The cigars are tight. And um, immediately, like we were speaking in the green room earlier, I'm thinking it's, it's a bloody 58. I mean, how the hell do you make this thing tight? I mean, give me a break. So inevitably I went in, inside the human or I bought my own stuff. I'm lighting and talking. And there's nothing wrong with it. And it just dawns on me when you first light it, it's going to be tight, quote unquote, because it's so, so thin at the very end. You're not going to get that puff that you get when you light a, a 60 or a 58 or a 50 or hell, anything that's a straight cut as opposed to like a tapering end. It takes a little bit for it to open up. Um, and a lot of these folks had never smoked this size cigar before. So they're immediately getting it and expecting to get a burst of air coming through and a burst of smoke. And it wasn't happening. So and you can do the blasphemous thing we talked about, like my wife does, just chops off the entire end, which defeats the purpose. No, no, don't do that. You, you want that tapering <laughs> here. In this, I'm gonna say, and especially if you don't want the big ring gauge on top of that, you know. You just, you just pop that cap off. She just doesn't want to deal with it. She just goes click, and, and you're yeah. left with, uh, you know, it's with yeah. a, I don't we know, the Toro Vitola for that, please. Yeah, I know. I yeah, just, exactly. 
Yeah, it, it um, it, what's interesting is I was up in Rhode Island in uh, the end of August, and I saw uh, Joe D. Uh, mm-hmm. and Joe D. was raving about this cigar, right? Um, and I had smoked the Robusto at the show. I had not smoked this cigar yet. Um, outside the show, he gave me a Toro, but he, he was saying, "Look, I don't have the double perfecto." But he was like raving about the double perfecto. Um, and then I went and smoked the Toro. Um, that night, uh, I was over. I was over down by the water. And it was a, a place with no wind and everything. I was able to smoke it. I'm like, this is really good too. Um, this is this since Gabriel sent these to us, or you guys sent them. It's um, this is my first experience to go around with with the double perfectos, and I'm I'm really I'm really happy with it. So, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank yep, you. So. We're, we're very happy with them. Yeah, yeah. I think you guys. Uh, this is this is uh, a very nice cigar. You guys are. Um, you know, I remember we, we again we talk I talk about when you guys were starting and you know you started with the three the, the Connecticut the Abano Maduro. Um and, and now the now you know I go back to, now you have a, a wide portfolio now. Um you have I want to say you have six eight core lines now, right? Eight core blends. Uh, yeah. So yeah. now now you have a lot. Um where are you you know sometimes now when you get six years old, now you start having a lot of blends. Kind of where are you with the portfolio? Um, is the portfolio are the plans to continue to have these amount? Are you guys going to grow the portfolio? Where because sometimes when you get to this point, now you have to start looking. Do we have too many too many skews and blends right now? Well, I mean, if you look at, for example, in our Reserva line, um, which is a grandfathered product without boring everybody, yep. but we had to come out with a torpedo. That was the biggest gauge we had because that's what was grandfathered in, right? And that's what the FDA mandated, right? Right. Um, well, that torpedo is going to be slowly phased out. It just it doesn't really do a whole lot. Once in a while, somebody will ask for it. So now we're to the point where we can tweak a little bit and take away maybe some of the skews. Maybe right. we'll bring, um, I don't know, to that size of Corona. We, corona. we keep getting asked for Coronas, uh, <laughs> which, you know what? I Listen, I'm, I'm a big fan of Lanceros, and I have nothing against a good Corona, especially because if it's good, you get a lot of flavor, and it's a pretty quick smoke. So it's, you know, you kill two birds of that one stone. Um, we are coming out with, with new stuff um, this year. There is going to be finally a Mandaria with a Maduro wrapper. Oh, wow. Um, we got the prototypes. Um, actually, I'll, I'll step inside and I'll show you one. Okay. Um, we, we, we're letting them sit because they're about a week old at this point, but we really, we really, really like what came out of it. Tomorrow, actually, I'm going to visit... Uh, another local shop here. And I, I trust the guy who, who runs the, uh, the humidor a lot for him to give me his feedback on it. That's going to come out. And we finally have enough of a portfolio so that we are going to be at TPE launching five pack Toro samplers. Oh, nice. So, Cause now we have enough to put in a five pack without in, including the higher end stuff. So we'll be the core line, Connecticut, the Maduro, the Abano and Toro, and then the reserve line, will be uh, the Maduro in the Connecticut. Okay. So you get those five. I won't be including, we won't be including the Patrimonio there or the Sangre Nueva, for example, or right. anything like that. But the others, we, we will. And I mean, it's we've taken baby steps to sort of get to where we are. Um, unfortunately, fortunately, I don't know, but at TPE, when we get there or PCA, the first thing everybody asks is what's new. And yeah. You, have something bloody new it's yeah. it's just the way it is i yeah. mean we walk into shops where people know us and go so anything new what's new <laughs> oh, jesus have you smoked everything we have <laughs> right 
whatever, right? There's stuff there you haven't touched, yeah, whatever. Um, so you got to have something new. It, it's right. just, it is. Right. Very few brands are able to get away without not having anything new all the time. And, yeah. you know, those are a handful. Right. Uh, yeah. Agree, agree on that um, for sure. Um, did, um, what's been the workhorse line right now for you as far as, you know, there's always like one line that becomes like the workhorse and the one that's really the top seller. Core line. Which, yeah, the core line still? The core line. Core line. All the core way line. through. Yes, sir. Core line. So, and I don't know core line, Habano, Habano, Maduro, Connecticut. Yeah, that, that, that core line, Connecticut, um, flies in, in that Habano tour. We just can't keep it. Uh, it's, it's amazing the way it, it just goes. The Maduro does well, too. But um, believe it or not, well, you guys, believe it or not, you guys know more about this, certainly. Uh, Connecticut is still king. Yeah, and a lot of you know it's. I'm a big fan of Connecticut. Yeah, that just it just is right. And Connecticut's are still king, but that core line still carries carries the load. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if it's um, that it's so much better than anything else we ever did or we've done since, or it's had six years of getting legs and people have been able to to try them. Also, the price points are also a little bit made more approachable. Uh, yeah, and. For whatever reason, that still seems to be going, man, and I'm I'm happy. Uh, yeah, there's no complaints on our end. I mean, our theory is if you smoke Sangre Nueva and you absolutely detest it, but you love the Patrimonio, please by all means. And if you don't like Patrimonio Sangre Nueva, you like La Mandaria, then go for it. If you don't yep. like that and you like you like the Coraline Abano, it's as long as you like something in there. Hopefully, <laughs> giving you something to choose from. Yeah, right. you know, and it's and it's nice to have a variety of flavors, you know, in your menu. At the restaurant. So, yeah, uh, we, we're going to try to keep up coming with, with new stuff and see what kind of a new wrapper we come out with for something, a new project. But that won't be till 2024. Something new, new. I mean, La Mandaria is going to be new. Right. But um, something completely unique and different like this was. I would like to do that in 2024. I'm not sure 2023 is a year to do it because of the economy. I'm, I'm not... I'm not that confident that things are that great. So, right. you know, rather than, than come out with something really extra premium and different and perhaps a little pricier, I'd rather wait a year and see how things are going. Sure. Uh, no, like I said, you have, like I said, uh, you have a wide portfolio right now. Yeah. You know, I know we talked, I know we've talked about patrimony in the past and, and we may have brought this point up. I want to bring it in, but a unique thing I think about that cigar is that you are, it's a Honduran wrap cigar coming out of the DR, which there's not a lot of those either that I've seen, you know, it's, that's just not a, a Honduran, a Honduran wrap. I've seen Nicaraguan wrap ones out, out of the DR, but not a lot of Honduran ones. And that, that was kind of another unique thing, what you guys were doing with that cigar. And, and it just turned out to be unique because it turned out to be unique, but I never thought of it as being unique. You know what I mean? Right. So let's find, it was just, it was available and it yeah. continues to be available. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, we just looked out on it uh, yep. and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad we did. Yep. One thing we are, we are, one thing we are changing, which, you know, growing pains, even though six years into it, we, we should be a little bright. I should be a little brighter. Um, I just had these little footbands created so that at the bottom of the Corojo for Patrimonio and at the bite at the base of the one you're smoking now for the Cameroon, in the same font, the same coloring, simple, it says Cameroon, and it says Corojo. Because when the boxes are placed in the shelves at the shops, 
you don't see it at the base of that box what it is. So if the consumer sees it's not familiar with it. They're familiar with Cuevas, but they don't know if this is Cameroon or not. They may think they're smoking maybe an Abano or a Maduro, right, right, and they're not. Ah, I'm not in the mood for that today. I'm you know I'll stick with the stuff or vice versa. They'll look at the Corojo and they'll say it's an Abano. If it's a little bit lighter shade, sometimes it'll come out looks similar to a Connecticut to some degree. Um, so I want to somehow let the consumer know, hey, if you want a Corojo, here's one for you that might be up your alley. And if you're interested in something that's a Cameroon, here's, you know, and you can actually read it on. Uh, I wish I would have thought of that sooner, but, uh, well, better late than never, right, as they say? Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I, I, it's kind of interesting because um, the uh, Corvus Reserve or the natural, it's kind of a little bit of a darker Connecticut shade than maybe the, the Corvus, Cots Corvus Connecticut. So I yeah, think that's, a, yeah, that's a good example to have that, I was thinking, too. It, it is. It is. Yeah. It's a little darker yeah. state Connecticut. Yeah. And it's got more oomph than the, the core line Connecticut. Um, Is that a lower binder? Yeah. 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 I, that's, I think that's a great, that's my dad's favorite, by the way. That's I like that. Dad. I like that cigar too. I like yeah, that one a lot as well. But you again, the factory has some very, you know, you guys have a lot of, it seems like a nice library of tobacco. I know you've put some Colombian tobacco and mm -hmm. some of the blends. So, you know, Peruvian tobacco. Peruvian, yeah. You guys have well, a, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you definitely have a lot of uh, tobaccos that you can kind of really play with there as well. So, um, so it's, yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's fun. The, the the investment though, right? Because you, you don't buy just one bale, right? So you buy a bunch of bales and if the line dies out and you've got all this tobacco, look, look what happened with the KFC. I mean, it literally just sat there for 10 yeah. years. So... You're taking a chance when you're going out of your comfort zone a little bit, yeah. but that it's available, it's available, and always the question then becomes, can I get it consistently? Right. And, and that was gonna be my yeah, that was gonna be my question on this one because you know you, you said you have this aged tobacco, but at some point the reserve's gonna run out on this, and so obviously you guys. Got yeah, my, plan my, my father's confident that he can get it still. It's yeah. still very much widely available. Right. Uh, we're just going through the old stock right now. Yeah. And, Again, I just had that epiphany sitting here talking with you guys. But, yeah, it's kind of cool that we're using this stuff that harkens back to 2013 with Sam, which is kind of yeah. neat. Yeah. That's a nice homage. Yeah. yeah. The Flacos, they're they're a um, a limited release, and they're done on a not every year basis. It's in uh, so you guys are going to plan on doing that, right? Yeah, they're, they're going to be done like the others. So the original Flacos were launched in 2019. Yep. Uh, 2018 um and we got robbed in 2019 when everything was was stolen yeah i remember so, that so yeah. what i did is we launched them again in 2022 so it'll be every four years the 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 misconception with the flacos that we've had was the first time we did 500 of them of each the abano and the maduro 10 count boxes and they were numbered as you remember and most of them were stolen right and i had no idea which were sold which weren't this whole fiasco so we just stopped it this time we did 750 and we allocated them so that you can only buy 10 at a pop right well even shops that enjoy the lanceros thinks are thinks they're all gone we've got a couple hundred boxes left about 100 about 100 150 boxes of, of of each left which we're going to let people know at tpe by the way if you're a lancero fan we still have these they still have 2020 god they've been aged forever at this point um they were they were rolled in 2021 so yeah, that, that was something else that I, I failed on miserably because people, do you still have those? They think we don't because they were numbered. 
and we sold through a lot of them, but there's still a few left. And I mean, I don't know what to do with them in another year. I'm going to have right. you know, cigars that have been, no, no, no. the box is 2021 and it's 2026. What the hell do you do? That's collector's piece. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those, those come out every four years. That, that's the idea. Yeah. Just because it, that was the gap between when we first launched them and when we did it again. So the next batch would then be rolled in 2025 and then released in 2026. Nice. And it kind of keeps it. Yeah, I kind of like that approach, by the way, with a limited too. you know, it's a uh, it's limited, but it's not going to completely go away. You know, you, you know, it'll come back at some point, too. It'll come back at some point. Right. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. The I remember the other thing I want to mention, I want to talk about the box press cigars you have. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when the box press cigars came out, um, your father, I, we, we get the press releases and there was a quote from your father on here about, you know, the box press cigars need ad- adequate time to be pressed. And it's something that he says is non-negotiable in the factory. Talk about like why the pressing needs time, um, because I don't hear I don't hear a lot of companies say that sometimes because all these things start off round. Right. All of them. And they want to go back to their shape. They want to be round. Right. And so you're essentially forcing this thing to be square. Right. Or rectangular or flat. And if you don't give it enough time, it'll start losing its shape. Even to the point where, even though they sit for a very, very long time right. being pressed, as soon as they go out to be packaged, they're packaged almost immediately. To right. To try to keep the, uh, the integrity of, of the shape as long as you can yeah. So if not, yeah, they're, they're going to want to go like this a little bit and bunch out um, because they started off that way. So you're, you're taking it and essentially forcing it into a shape that it doesn't really want to be in. Right. It sat. It was made in a round mold. It sat in press in a round mold. And then you're taking this round cigar and you're squashing it and forcing it to not be round. Because uh, I, I know people think that the molds themselves or the size or the shape of the box press, they're not, they're, they're all round. And, and that's part of the skill in rolling them is if you overfill it, then that wrapper is going to burst when you, when you, yeah. Press. Yeah. And if you underfill it, it turns off every other minute. Yeah. Right. Which sucks. Yeah. So it's that fine line between putting it perfectly so that you can press it um, and still not either have it, burst at the wrapper because it's there's too much filler right. or so little filler that you light it and it goes out and it goes out and it yeah. goes out and it goes out so, yeah 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 exactly and then sometimes they're too loose and or the other way they're too loose and you know they're too airy they're too airy they're, they're hard to roll but yeah that's why it's important you got to keep them in that shape because they don't want to be in that shape you know it yeah. wasn't their original their original shape and they want to go home and be round again be fat and happy yep yeah. yep that's true that's true um, and then a wish list item is I'd be curious about this blend in a press as well. <laughs> we could play with that. That yeah. would be interesting. Yeah, I would be curious on that. Um, we could play with that. Yeah. I, I love I love the box press. I like the way box press cigars yeah. sit between my teeth like a yep. chip. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do I do love those the Habano and the Maduro box press. So those, those are great, those are great ones as well. A very well, enjoyable. That, that's something that we had an epiphany on late also where we finally put the secondary band that says pressed on it because for a long time, when you're, when you're looking at them in those boxes, again, on those shelves, it looks identical to that Toro yeah. and the consumer's going, why is this a dollar more? It's another Toro, right? Unless they grab it, physically pick it up. If they're looking at it, yeah. they're not going to be able to tell. So all of a sudden we put the word press and people are asking, asking us, 
oh, I, is this new? No, it's yeah. been around since flipping yeah. 2017. <laughs> but yep. you know, whatever. Again, better late than never. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, Aaron, anything else we want to hit on the blends? We could get to some of the other stuff too. Yeah, we can go. Do we, do we want to get to the cigar or we want to do the other stuff first? Uh, let's do the cigar first. Yeah, so why don't we get to the cigar? Um, and we're going to give our experiences of this cigar. And as always, it's brought to you by Tailored Smoke, located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's Epicenter and outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Tailored Smoke is your one stop shop for a tailored smoking experience. So, Aaron, tell me what, what, you're, uh, what you're getting with this cigar. Um, so, toasted smoky oak. Um, some earth as well, uh, black pepper. Um, the, the oak is really detailed. Yeah. So like, it's like, I'm going to say this is probably not going to sound appealing to people, but people that enjoy cigars will understand. Like if you actually like put, like licked a piece of oak, like where you can like really taste it, like it's that, is that detailed. So like it, you're really, you know, it's oak, right? So, and that, that, that fire cured tobacco kind of gives it that smokiness, but it's not overpowering. It's, you know, it's a good amount that's in there. Uh, Retro Hills is pretty much the same, similar profile. Uh, early on, the peppers got a little bit of a zing to it, but then as the as the cigar kind of goes along, that mellows out, uh, and the black pepper kind of starts to fade, and in, in the in the mouth draws uh, as the cigar goes along as well. So it's a nice balance to to everything. It's not, not there's nothing that's overpowering, uh, but it's got really good details with the flavors. So it's a it's a well done cigar. Cool. Yeah, um, I was actually thinking white creamy oak in a lot of ways okay. with it, okay. um, and then maybe the I'm thinking white oak because it's it, there's a, there's an underlying creaminess and smoothness to it. But I agree with you. If you were to lick, lick the oak, that's kind of what what I'm tasting. Yep. Um, but again, um, I was gonna make the same point. The black pepper a little more up front when we were I think kind of going through that tapered portion mm -hmm. dials back a bit. Um, still getting some black pepper on the retro ale. Not this is not a spicy cigar though by any means, but it's got it just comp it's got a touch of spice in there. Um, not overly sweet either, but uh, I I love I love the sweetness I'm getting from the uh, the fire cured. It's just um, like I said, it was you whatever touch amount of leaf you're using, you seem to just nail it here. Um, and I just think it's it's a great um, little combustion on this thing too. So I mean, yeah. Like um, I've only had I've only had one ash drop. I've had on one ash on this cigar, thing as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, it just well constructed, and um, it, 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 I'm gonna say the, the word unique. It seems cliche here, but this is not like any other blend I've had. Um, but I think it's a very approachable blend for a lot of people too. Um, it's not it's it's a meat it's a solid medium for me here as far as this goes. It's not gonna overpower you with strengths, uh, but but uh, very approachable where you can really also smoke this cigar any time of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. True. Yeah. And this is definitely my favorite size. I can tell you that this size is um I love this size. I'm really, really digging this cigar. Um, and it's just a great testament. Alec, you did a great job on this. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. That's the awesome. um yep. So uh well done. Keep keep this up. Um, like I said, uh, and I think you're gonna have a lot uh, obviously I think the reception has been very positive with this cigar. That I've seen from most folks on this, so yeah, it, yeah, it has. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. yeah. percent. I, I love um, thank God <laughs> when individuals give their their personal preference in relation to their palate, like what they are able to pick up from the cigar, the nuances. And I, I've by far heard some of the more interesting notes from Sangre Nueva in particular that I don't think I've ever heard before. 
so like pumpkin sensations like i've heard i i can't think of some off the top of my head i wish i could right now but all of it has been a heck of a positive experience um Good. like i said i mean it's it's nice to have an industry that welcomes somebody so young with open arms truth be told it, it, i think the young blood which is a perfect name is been, I've seen certain companies where they really benefited from having um, someone 25 or under or around that age uh, because they, you know, Alec Bradley's one that comes to mind too. You know, it, it, they, they just bring a different perspective to, you know, maybe people who've been doing this for a long time. And I think it, it, it really, it really shows. Yeah. I, I certainly think that Alec brings something to it that, I mean, ultimately, we have to be very careful when we're blending, my father and I, because it's kind of hard to break away from what you normally like. Yep. And then you kind of keep circling back and everything's sort of tasting the same. And it, it helps a lot when you're swapping out wrappers to this degree, right? So you're using a completely different wrapper that you haven't used before. And then you add the KFC to it and you got two components that you haven't used before. So would this have been something that I would have launched in 2017? The answer is no, uh, but Alec wasn't around. Right. So yes, he does bring that fresh perspective to it. And it's, it's nice because we have to be careful. We'll find ourselves kind of reinventing the wheel over and over yeah. again, because there's something that I gravitate to of the scars and the flavor profiles that I like. All of a sudden you're creating the same thing over and over and over again. Um, you know, yeah. It's nice to have someone in the, especially again, because he has smoked a wider array of cigars than I have. He smoked a bunch of different brands. Um, more often than not, when we visit shops, whether it's in Miami or where we're traveling, he steps in the humidor and looks around for something that he hasn't tried yep. and then buys it. And I think that's it's a good way to go about it. And yep. then he has the wherewithal to remember it. Yep. Right? Yeah. Keep that mental catalog, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that Rain Man type of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he really does. He yeah. really does. He really does. I've seen him with, with consumers will have an event and, you know, do that opening question. So what do you normally smoke? And the guy will bust out with, I smoke this, that, and the other. And Alec will go, okay, but are you talking about the Maduro or the Abano? Are you talking mm -hmm. about the Toro or the Robusto? Yeah. Are you talking about, you know, the special limited edition? Or the, you know, he gets into the weeds with it. So you know that the consumer knows, he knows what yep. he's talking about. And yep. then you engage and you go, well, listen, in that flavor profile, you should try this from online, whatever it may be. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't do that. Not certainly not as adeptly as he does it. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not giving you a razor. So. <laughs> <laughs> I say it's good ground. All right. So this next, uh, this next segment is a new segment we have. Um, it's called the ties that bind. Okay, so you guys are the like second or third person to kind of get this segment brought to you by Tobacco Area USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Area USA, great things are happening here. So, guys, here's how this segment works. I'm going to name three things, okay? And these three things have something in common. I'll tell you what they have high level in common. And then, but I want you to tell me specifically something a little more deeper they have in common. Okay, and I'll give you three shots to do it. Okay, and uh, in this case, these are three cities I'm going to name. Okay, the three cities. Don't answer it yet because I want to. I'm going to give you one hint. 
The three cities are Orlando, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm not looking for vacation spots here. Okay, so they're cities and they're not vacation spots. What do those three things have in common? What are the ties that bind them together? Orlando, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and New Orleans, Louisiana. Yep. You said not in relation to vacation. No, it can't be vacation. Correct. It's not vacation, right. My, my, the first thought that comes to mind, let me know if you back me up on this because I think, I think I'll hit this pretty good, is food, the food culture in all those locations. Orlando? <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't think of food in Orlando, New Orleans for sure. Las Vegas, yeah, I get it. And I thought maybe gambling because Las Vegas and New Orleans both have, right? Um, yep. The hair is over there in, in yep. New Orleans. That's not it. Um, so I'll tell you, it's not, it's not the food. And by the way, I, I know we've done, there's been trade shows at all three cities. Um, well, um, yes. Is that your answer? I, I know there's been trade shows because I've been to all three for trade shows. Um, I feel like that, that's pretty that's pretty close to the ball, I think. You, might, you think so? Might, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So That is the answer. Trade shows? They're all yeah. three. We've had the trade shows in okay. all three cities. Okay. Okay. Yep. I tried not to make it too hard. I, last year I think I made it too hard, but that is the answer. Yes. That you okay. guys were on the line. Right. Yeah. Right. There's right. last three cities. Yeah, I come up with. <laughs> I was gonna throw Houston in there to really throw it <laughs> off, right? No, Houston. I, I went. I went to the one in Houston as well. Yeah, I mean the Houston one. Uh, a lot of people forget San Antonio. Was, I've been to the one in San Antonio as well. I could have thrown Cincinnati in there. I, I, I just said, all right, I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> those are the last three cities to host a trade show. Yeah, but it is. Those are the ties that bind those. Okay, cool. Okay, right yeah. on. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. You got that one there. It was good. That was like a passing thought. <laughs> it was. You know, it's going to be wrong, but they have this. <laughs> yeah. yep, that, that, so that's good. That's good. Good job on that. Now, related to food, okay, Okay. we're going to get into our cattle baron steak question of the night. And this is kind of a, we talk about meat. And I know you guys, we've, I think we've asked questions with this before. But tonight's question is, I want to know, give me, because I've been using this the last few shows, give me your ultimate burger. What's on your ultimate burger? In terms of the, the type of meat or the, the topping? Co- yeah, condiments it, and all condiment, those things. Yeah. You want to mention, yeah, let's I assume love, it's a beef burger here we're going to go all with. Right, yeah. All right. I, I love mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I love Swiss cheese. Okay. Um, I, can, I like onions. Mm-hmm. I'm on board with all this. I'm not. I don't mind it, but I'm not a big fan of having lettuce and tomatoes on my burgers. Okay. Okay. I mean, if it brings it, I'll eat it. I'm not going to take away the bun and take stuff out. <laughs> but if I just have my sauteed onions with my mushrooms, my Swiss cheese, got to be mm-hmm. Swiss. I like Swiss. And my medium burger. Yeah. I'm, I'm a happy guy. That's a good one for me so yeah. i might not be the right person to ask this i, I i'll give you one that I, I really left an impression on me but how i normally do my burgers i'm so sorry for y'all i do it nice and plain you got your beef you have your cheese if you can add some barbecue by all means please yep use mm-hmm. yep uh crispy onions or uh like the crunchy uh dill chips in particular yep very well too and that's about it. I'm really simple. I, I, I just I like a simple burger. That's okay. 
It's more complex it. than yeah. mine. <laughs> um, there is one burger in particular that I, I was going to bring into the ringer just because it left an impression on me, but it's more like a concoction than it is really a burger. It's called a Tequeño burger. I went to this little niche restaurant, uh, which I had no clue existed. This was a few months back. And what this burger consists of is incredible. Um, and I ate the whole thing in its entirety. It's a massive burger. What's in it already? Uh, beef. Yeah, sorry. It's got <laughs> beef. It's got avocado. It's got uh, an egg sunny side up. It carries your tomato, your lettuce, uh, your onions as well. Uh, it carries this specific pineapple sauce on top of it to boot. Mm. And it comes all meshed in what is essentially two tequenos that have been flattened, uh, flattened out, for lack of a better term. Um, just think of like picking up a, a tiny little tequeno and you mush it, and that's essentially they yeah. made it what it is. Wow. Yeah, a tequeno is to give you the, the most simplistic version of it, really, because it's a simple thing. Um, it's I think of like a stick of bread, but there's cheese to be found on the inside. Sometimes mm -hmm. it comes with guayaba, which is um, guava. Guava. There you go. Okay. So, uh, personally, I don't like it with tequenos. Made their way over here when the Venezuelans yes. really started making their way into Miami. That's when everybody discovered tequenos because they brought it as and part of damn good. Oh, I love them. I love me a good tequeno. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's good. I want to comment on the lettuce thing for a second. Um, because because Luis, I'm kind of with you. I don't really like lettuce, but if you give me some very thin shredded lettuce on a mm -hmm. on a burger, I like it. Well, it's shredded, I I could I could deal with like I said, I would eat it, right? Yeah, a big leaf of lettuce and a tomato. And it just, it just doesn't, the the, you know, the big the big lettuce leaf that's kind of a little moist and it's I, I don't really care for that. But if it's yeah. a thin shredded lettuce and not too much of it, I I can deal with it. I hear you. All right, all right. So that was uh that was our cattle baron steak question. So one more segment, guys. It's a shorter segment. Um, and what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna read some sponsor and then we'll we'll kind of get into it and we can wrap up with you guys. All right, so I want to mention um, JRE Tobacco Company. The authentic Corolla leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars in Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corolla from the original seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corolla back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Huinas and Husto bring their very own brand to market and each contain that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Classic. Each represent the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's where you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company. From famous cigar international makers such as Avo, Aganarsa Leaf, Drew Estate, and more. They have the best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. <laughs> I'm losing my voice. <laughs> Excuse me. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retail by Smoke Magazine and Corona Cigar Fashionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. Place an order online at Corona Cigar or visit one of Corona's 
four central cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. Nothing like losing your voice in the middle of a sponsor break. (laughs) Well, you powered through it, my friend. All right, let's get to our Alec Bradley Lip True segment. Sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live true. <laughs> this is funny, guys. <laughs> the struggle is real. Yeah, The struggle is real, guys, but I appreciate the patience. So in this segment, guys, we're going to take a look at um, some questions that we maybe we talk about. They're not really cigar-related, but they're things you may talk about in a cigar lounge or just talk about in general. I think you guys have been through this before, but we have some new questions for you guys tonight. And um, I've aided them, so I'll go through these. And a lot of these I created for the first time for this show tonight. All right, so let's start off with the first one. I'm going to mention four things. Telephone call, email, text message, or Facebook messenger. Your preferred method of communication. Mine is the text message only because... I have found followed by the phone call only because I found that if I text and you can't pick up the call, then you can respond and say, I'll call you back or this or the other. Or if I text and you have no idea what the hell my number is, you don't ignore the call. You get the text <laughs> and go, you know, Hey, William, my name is Lewis. Such and such gave me your number, blah, blah, blah. I, I want to, I want to um, be a sponsor on your show, whatever it may be, as opposed to just a, a random call. Right. Um, so I, I find a text sort of, you, you don't interrupt someone's day throughout it. You can look at the text certain time as opposed to the phone ringing and you're in the middle of the conversation or you're busy or you're working or you're driving. Well, if you're driving, it's a terrible idea, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so I, I find that uh, that text is my, my preferred go-to that Facebook messenger thing. I just know. And, and I, <laughs> yeah, it takes me forever to get to them. Uh, yeah, I just and, and people I, I messaged you. I just I, I don't. I, I'm terrible at it. That's me. What about you, son? For me, nice and simple texting as well. Um, mostly due to the notion that there's always a lot going on, always. So it's much easier to see a text than to go on ahead and look at a phone call you missed three hours ago. Um, and I always try to make sure my you know voicemail box is always empty at all times, just in case somebody would like to tell me what you know they called about, but. Texting is always going to be the more easy way to get in contact with me. It just it works better in relation to my schedule. And that goes for also outside of, you know, just what we do also as a whole. That was easy. <laughs> You're muted, Coop. <laughs> is he gathering himself? No, I'm mute button. Uh, I was resting my voice. <laughs> All right, the Facebook message is the double-edged sword with me, right? Because um, actually, there is a benefit I have with it is I do use two phones. So sometimes that is a good way to get in touch with me. The bad news is it's, it opens Pandora's box on a lot of stuff. So I just can't respond to everybody on it either. So I do know some people, like I do know, we have a group message thing on Facebook Messenger. And I know sometimes the guy, if, if they need to get hold of me, quickly sometimes i don't have one of the phones with me so 
Um, and one phone I just use for personal and the other I use for other stuff. So, but I agree with you. It's one, I, I don't, it's double edged. It was good at first, but it's turned out bad. I'm still an email guy because the email, again, I'll see the emails on both phones. So it's a little easier for me on that. Email, email works, but sometimes I don't have somebody's email address, but I'll have the number. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm still, I'm still old school with the telephone too. So, um, if you want to, but sometimes, you know, when you start texting, the conversation becomes so dragged on. It's like, dude, do you have a yeah. minute? And then you just yeah, exactly. Yeah. God, you, you get you get through it. You know, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, conversation instead of a half an hour of typing. It's, yeah, yeah. Especially it, it, if you're it, like me, I type with only one thumb. Yeah. I don't know how to do that double digit. Oh, oh, I'm like that too. By the way, so I got to do the one thumb thing and whoo. Yeah. All right. Yeah, takes a while. Uh, all right. So along those lines, this is a similar type of question. I'm going to name three things. Vinyl record, compact disc, or digital music? Your your preferred way to consume music? Vinyl, because it, it just reminds me of being a kid and growing up, and um, I'm glad they made a comeback. Um, I never thought that would ever happen. No. <laughs> Who did, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, anybody else that says they did, well, whoever came out with it again, I guess they had the first <laughs> But it wasn't me, right? Um, for me, vinyl, I think vinyl is just, there's something about it. Um, and, and sometimes if the record, the stuff that I used to hate when the record, you know, do that, you know, skip mm. a little bit, whatever. Now I find it charming, you know, yep. it's, it's right. so cool. Uh, so me, I'm vinyl. For me, I'd say digital. I, don't get me wrong. I have a vinyl player. I do have some vinyls as well. Um, I find it to be incredible. I love it. So going back to how it came back. Right. But digital for me, I have more easy access to a yeah. lot of that you can't find on vinyl, let's say. Well, that's true. Just haven't, you know, tapped into that market, you know? You, you know it's interesting. Um, we do a music show, and Dave, who does the show with me with music, um, he uh, and I kind of have a similar thing. We, we are buying vinyl, but I think we're buying it for collectible purposes. We're not actually consuming that a lot. So now I'm finding I'm buying vinyl, and I'm just putting it into a collection where it's unfortunately just collecting dust. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's cool to put, to put one on, you know, the, the, it, the, it is. Yeah. But the I, thing I, is now, you know, with that Shazam thing, I'm listening to a song and I just Shazam it and yeah. boom, there it is. And it's on my playlist. Yeah. That's amazingly efficient. That's very, yes. very cool. You know? It, yeah, it definitely is cool. Um, and then what's cool is now you can rip the stuff from vinyl to digital. Yeah. Uh, and, and the idea is if you do it like the first time you play the album, you'll get the purest, you'll get the best, uh, transformation of that. Because it will wear after a while, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, but I never thought. Um, and I have a lot of vinyl records from the seventies, like now, and it's like, and they were for about thirty years just sitting there. I mean, so it's kind of interesting. And I and it, but but the problem is I rebought all that stuff on compact disc over the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the joke is we we now buy music like in two or three different forms now. The same album, it's like a, kind of a, a joke we have with that. So. It's true, though. I never yeah. thought of that, but well, yeah, we do do that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. All right. So this next question, uh, we're going to talk about the Dominican Republic. And you guys have a factory in the Dominican Republic. You guys spend time in the Dominican Republic. Tell me something about the Dominican Republic that we may not know about that would surprise folks based on your experiences down there. Oh, wow. That, would, that people don't know about. Oh, wow. I have a few of mine. Say some, please. All right. So... Although, obviously, as, as most individuals know, I, I'm taking a gander here, uh, it is a third world country. But that being said, I find it to be one of the more active, very 
there's always so for example we wake up at about 5 a.m crack of dawn and get to our factory at a relatively early you know time period but during that notion you'll still find yourself going through hefty traffic you'll still find individuals trying to sell things on the streets and everything else i guess what i'm trying to say is it's a very uh, what's it's, it's, it's a very vibrant country yes there um, we go. so i guess i guess the point i'm trying to make you look at Esteli and you look at Santiago and Santiago is Manhattan, Michael right? Harris. In terms of the amount of commerce going on, even though there's a lot of poverty and whatnot. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if you just visit it, you would know it. Stuff that, that people wouldn't know. I, I, I can't think of anything in particular. I can't. I mean, I'm sure I can after this ends. <laughs> right. <laughs> they email both these gentlemen, but right now I can't think of anything. Oh, what about I mean, everything I can think of, I think people would know. But again, I think people would know if they show up and they see. Well, but the, I'm assuming this is for the individuals that, that haven't been to. Yeah, that. yeah, maybe yeah. someone who hasn't been there. I mean, what you guys right. just said is something I don't think a lot of folks may have known either, if they have, especially if they haven't been there. Well, the, right. tra traffic is abhorrent, <laughs> and um, it, it's, it's it's horrific. Um, oh, you know what? They may not know their 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 principal mode of transportation for the the, the people there. It's called a concho. Yes. I, th I think there's five thousand of them in Santiago alone. And they have routes, M, A, B, C, D, whatever. Uh, and essentially, they'll jam into a little Toyota Corolla. They'll jam one, two, three, four, five, six people into it. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, it, and it has a specific route. But it drops you off anywhere you tell the guy to drop you off. Okay. So they will literally stop anywhere. And they'll stop. They'll stop with traffic flowing. That slams on the brakes. <laughs> And you're out. And another thing they do, they also do that to wait for people at corners, at corners. Corners are horrible, right? You want to make a right or something. Yeah. Stop right there. And if you load up and they've only got, let's say, you and two other passengers, well, they're still waiting for three more. They will literally just sit at the corner. Even though you have to be, you're in a hurry to go to wherever you got to go. Right. The dude will, or whoever, it's always guys driving. They will wait until that place, that thing gets full before they go. So... Mm. To remedy that, what some people do, if you have, if you're able to do it, is you pay for the six. Right. It's still cheaper than getting a cab, and it's sure. cheaper than getting an Uber, and it's better than walking. So, yeah. but um, yeah, the um, the conchos, the conchos, yeah. There's five thousand of them in Santiago. We were talking about it. They're just, they're they're pretty rough. They're pretty rough. But it's a it's a very efficient mode of transportation and ones that people can afford. It's like an Uber without safety regulations. Then, <laughs> yeah. You got to see some of these vehicles. I mean, completely beat up. Well, when, when you go up there now for a pro cigar, ask yeah, about the coaches, you'll see them. You'll see them. They're the ones that really congest more, more of anything. Yeah. Last year, pro cigar, getting some Ubers was a little bit of a challenge in certain areas I was at, namely Camp David. Uh -huh. And uh, so I called for an Uber or I, you know, put Uber in the app. They call me up. And the guy speaking Spanish, I, I don't understand him. So I'm actually by the front desk of the hotel. And and, and then I go to the person. I say, can you translate this? And I say it. And I say, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to send a motorbike for you. They're asking if they can send a motorbike for you. And I'm like, no. <laughs> 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 they, they, they actually, and, I, and, I, and they would tell me, yeah, a lot of them do use motorbike uh, Ubers down there. So uh, I was, and that's something I never knew before. So, Oh, here's something else I just thought of right now in the traffic. Um, in the States, you have a green light. You make a left. You have a green light. I mean, there's no one coming the opposite direction. You have a green light, mind you. You can make a left, right? We all agree. You have a green light. No one's coming. No, you're not going to block traffic or hit anyone. 
in the Dominican Republic to make the left, if there's an arrow that's part of that light, you must wait. Even if there's no one coming, yep. you must wait for the arrow. You got to go through the entire series or sequence, go back to red, and then start again on. Mind you, when there's three lanes, there's 17 cars side to side. You got the conchas cutting everybody off. There's yeah, no- I've seen that. I can now you're saying that. I've seen this. Yeah. If you make a left, then yes, maybe you'll, you'll get a ticket. My, my dad, his, his only ticket in the DR was that. Oh, wow. For making yeah. a left on a green light. My father goes, what do you, mean you, can't, you can't make a left on a green light. I go, that's international. There's no one coming. I was no, sir. You have to wait for the light. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think you're right. Now that I'm saying that, I remember I'm just my memory is jarring back with that. Yeah, I just didn't realize that that's that was a weird the case. Rule. Yeah. It's a weird rule. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. Yeah. And then there's a lot of intersections in the DR that don't have lights, which is. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is. Esteli is completely like that, by the way. Esteli is completely like that. Esteli traffic is, is so much more mellow than. In the Dominican, uh, oh, uh, that's Santiago. Um, going from Camp David to the Gran Almonte, uh, yeah, it, oh, it's brutal, brutal 45 minutes to an hour. Yep. Um, yeah, yep. traffic's yeah. no joke over there. No, and no. It was, it's, it's such a far cry. When, when I was 16, 15, 16, and I was going to the factory, the streets of Santiago were so just empty that that's where I learned how to drive stick shift. Um, I had a stick shift, uh old pickup truck and i mean and you know with with stick shift if, if you drive it getting out of first gear is really the issue right because the car turns yeah. off you pop the clutch and whatever it's a pain in the ass um but i could do that because there were no i wasn't going to hit anybody nothing was going to happen i wasn't going to cause yeah. an accident there was no traffic now <laughs> yeah, good luck i recently drove stick for the first time in about 20 years i test drove a car and uh, I hadn't drove stick in 20 years. So that was uh, any like riding I, a bike. I, you remembered? You I remembered. I remembered. I remembered. Yeah, it was pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, I remember because um, that's how I learned how to drive was a mm-hmm. stick shift. Um, my, none of my kids can drive stick. Well, the, this guy can't and his sister can't either. And, and I've always wanted to teach them. But how? I mean, whose car do I borrow? So I can right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my, my dad was insistent. I learned how to drive. Uh, drive the stick i only had one car with a stick too growing up so uh but yeah but i remembered it was it wasn't hard at all you remembered right away yeah yeah very easy with that all right uh next question something you did during the pandemic uh people may not know when you were during down on lockdown what is something you did that maybe people don't know okay i would uh i would get up every morning to keep the routine going and i'd shower change and i'd go to the office even for about an hour, and then I come back just to keep a semblance of routine going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was nothing to do at the damn office. I would just right. go to the flipping office and I'd come home, um, be gone for about an hour or so, and, and that was it. So I kept myself with some sort of a routine, yeah. at least in my brain anyway, as opposed to sleeping till one in the afternoon every day. <laughs> right, right. Uh, for me, I, that's when I started working out again. Um, which I, I, I don't, I'm not really public about that. I've always been very skinny, hence the flock of, right. Um, <laughs> always big into running and into cross country. But once I ended up finishing high school, jumping into college, uh, my college in particular, if I, you didn't have a proper cross country team, uh, right. no coach to be exact. So I kind of just fell out of line with it and instead started doing my studies, working with my father, 
So all of that kind of went awry up until COVID hit, prime time COVID. And I was like, you know what? There's nothing else to really do. Might as well start. And um, I've kind of kept that routine going since. If it really, if it wasn't for COVID, I don't think I would have really been as dedicated as I am to it. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. Next one. Uh, we're going to talk about hot dogs. So we're going back to food. You prefer a Chicago hot dog or a Colombian hot dog? Chicago. Wow. I thought, okay. Chicago. Um, Colombians think about like, like your moms, the Chilenos, they eat uh, those completos. Yeah. They just have too much stuff on them. It's just, yeah. The it's just too much. It doesn't just. Yeah. Chileans do that too. They call it a completo. And uh, my wife, my wife's from Chile. Which just means complete. It, it means, means complete. complete. <laughs> All sorts of stuff on it. And yeah. It doesn't become a hot dog at that point. No, it doesn't. Just... I'd say Chicago too. I'd have to go to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Um, I would agree. Um, I don't know if Aaron, have you had a Colombian hot dog before? Uh, I I think I have had one, but I mean, probably where I had it is probably not authentic uh, in, of any sort. It's you know somewhere that is trying to make one up. So yeah, yeah. yeah the I I actually like both, but the problem is the Colombian hot dog has those quail eggs, and I can't do the quail eggs. So it's too much stuff. I'm telling you. Yeah, but the potato <laughs> chips and the bacon are pretty cool on them. I'll say that. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff. Like, I remember I ordered some once, and, and I had them in the car, and they're messy as could be. Oh, <laughs> like, that was a dump. Like, that was my first experience, one of my first experiences. Yeah. 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 But Chicago ones could be a little messy, too. Um, yeah. But you can, you yeah, can kind it's of. it's a hot dog. It's a know? hot dog, yeah. Exactly. But, I, yeah, so I would probably go Chicago as well. All right. So this next question may get Alec into trouble, okay? Uh-oh. uh It won't get you into trouble, at least. True or false, you played hooky from school? Uh, if you want to take the fifth, that's fine too. I'm trying to think now. You're trying to think, yeah, because it was like one day, and I remember I was like, "Why not?" And that's why I'm trying to. Yes, so yes, I have played hooky literally once, and this was junior year of high school. I remember. So there's a park situated right outside of of that high school in particular. Um, to give you context, this is an all boys private Catholic school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I remember it wasn't even a real full day of hooky because I sat in my car early morning, school already began. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel good. I, I feel somewhat sick for the most part. You know, I, we finished our morning practice at that time. I already showered and everything else. So I was like, I can just really put my car in reverse and just kind of get the heck out of here. <laughs> As I was doing that, bad luck, but it goes to show you omens are a thing for a reason. My principal was doing laps to make sure all the kids were getting ready to so he knows me by name, um, obviously, right? But that being said, because uh, of the cross-country thing and everything else, and he says, Alec, how are you doing? Are you ready for today? You know, are you ready for your studies? And I remember looking at him, and I'm wearing my cross-country uniform, essentially. I had, like, this extra relaxed layer. I hadn't even put on my tie yet, nothing like that. I was so, un- like, unformal. And I remember looking at him sweating, being like, yes, sir, I'm prepared. I was just about to change. And uh, I remember I did like, it was essentially one lap and I was like, I don't know if I should. And throughout all that time of deliberation, I ended up not leaving class. I had to essentially just go. I couldn't. Yeah. Even, 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 <laughs> Catholic guilt. Catholic guilt. Yeah, no, we, we, <laughs> I know. I played hooky. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We, yeah. We, we made arrangements. We'd all go off to the beach and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, it was just yeah. bad timing on my part. Yes. Yeah. Part of my language, I was just too chicken shit. I, 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 yeah, I, I would play. My dad would uh, sign the card from that would come to the house, 
And uh, basically, his thing is, as long as your grades were there, he goes, I'll sign the card. <laughs> so, <laughs> but normally, I do it when it's like a substitute teacher late in the day or something like that. So I come up with some story, right? Yeah, my, my grades are always excellent, too. So. Yeah, he said, if the grade, well, he goes, once the grades suffer, he goes, you're, you're, you're done. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never asked my kids that question. I, I think I got to ask them at some point. <laughs> yeah, interesting one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, a pet that you would want to have besides a dog or cat? That's a good question. Besides a dog, we have a canary now. Um, okay, that counts. Have a canary because my grandfather would, would would raise him when I was a kid. So my, mm. my neighbor started raising canaries. He's literally down the street, about five houses down, and he's got a ton of them um so when that came up i go i, I need to have one so i have a canary but that i don't have now you know it'd be kind of cool i know they're dangerous but a monkey would be kind of cool they look like it kind of could be fun i know they're dangerous or not yes i, yeah. I, I know but yeah. a monkey would be pretty neat i'm not into reptiles um not either yeah a monkey would be cool i'd say a ferret Why? yeah they stink, don't they? A ferrets are just no. You, you can do something to them, right? They, they, what do you do to them? They do something to take away the, uh, the glands. Like, yeah, they, they degland them or something. I, I have no, no research on ferrets, but they're <laughs> horrible, man. I mean, I can't. They're, they are cool looking. They're awesome. Man. I, I friggin', I, I've had, I've had prior girlfriends in the past that have had ferrets, and dude, I don't know what it is. I, I was with um, one of my exes in particular, so her mother, uh, and God bless her, Archie passed away recently. She loved exotic animals to a degree, but semi-exotic, so like prairie dogs, for example. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, um, what is it? Uh, rain tree frogs. And you had a little container for them. I believe when we ended, when we cut the relationship off at that point, they were building something in their backyard to live on the golf course. But it was essentially like monkey bars, for lack of a better term, because they were thinking of possibly getting a sloth as well. So uh, yeah. all that, she also had ferrets. And those ferrets, man, there were all four of them. I love them. They're like cats, just but with yeah. active. Oh, yeah, they're adorable. They they don't they don't know any better. They have funny faces. I gotta love them. They're slinky. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, no, they're, they're cool. I've seen people have the ferrets. Yeah, they have these big long cages too. Where uh, yeah. you know they're kind of cool. Uh, bear bear's wife's a zookeeper. Um, kidding. Okay. Yeah, That's Bear's cool. wife's a zookeeper, but I, I don't know if he's had exotic animals. I know he has chickens at the house. Okay. I know Bear has Brandon chickens. Brandon Wells has chickens at the house. Oh, yeah. Brandon Wells, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, cigar mechanic, yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yep. All right, last question of the night. When you go to sleep, you go to sleep with the TV on or off? Off. Off. Uh, I'll fall asleep with it sometimes on. Actually, it's been happening more often than not, especially this week for some reason. Um, but once you get cozy, I mean, that's essentially it. And make sure to have the remote handy because once I know I'm dozing off, I'll, I'll literally hit the bed like a rock. So I'm quick to turn off the yeah. TV <laughs> and yeah. I get my, my fuses and yeah, I, I like off my, uh, yeah. my, my NyQuil for sleeping is I like to read. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll read a few pages that kind mm-hmm. of calms me down and, and I'm off. But if, if something on TV, um, if I'm not sleepy, sleepy. Then yeah. I have a tendency to want to watch it, and if it's a movie, whatever you know, and then you get caught yeah. up, and yeah. So yeah. for me, it's off. I know, I know, I know people that have to have it on, right? It on constantly. My my yeah. Julian grandmother leaves it on constantly when yeah. she goes to sleep. Yeah, yeah. I can't do that. Well, my wife's off, and uh, but she goes to sleep earlier than me a lot of times. So when I come in, I will put the TV on. She's out cold, <laughs> so she'll never know. And then I put the t- and then I put the, and then I put the timer on. So 
it just goes off. So yeah. on its own, smart. Yep, yep, yep. So, but I can I can do it with it off with no problem either. So if I'm tired, so yeah, if you're tired. Yep. All right, gentlemen, uh, that's gonna wrap it up for tonight with you guys. So uh, I want to first of all thank you guys very much. It was great to have you guys back on. Thank you. Thank you yep. so much, both yep. of you. It's a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you guys enjoyed the cigar. Thank no, you. No, really, really enjoyed it. Um. And thank you guys for the support um, over the years. It's just been uh, great to see you guys grow and everything and, and the friendship as well. We do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you guys. Sorry, we're not going to see you. Well, we'll see you at TP. Yep. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll just we'll have to, I'll, you may get that phone call for me on Saturday morning. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, but no, we do appreciate you guys very much. Um, and uh, keep up the great work. We look forward to Casa Cuevas uh, 2023 and beyond. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank All you, guys. All right. Take care. Have a great night. And uh, good luck at TPE this year. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Looking forward to it. Be well. All right. All right. Alec and Luis Cuevas of Casa Cuevas Cigars here on the Primetime Show. Have a great night, guys. Good night. Okay. All right. So uh, we've got one more segment here. I'm going to try to read through the sponsors. I think I got my voice back. So right. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So, uh um, but let me mention uh first Cavalier Cigars again. Uh Cavalier Cigars, Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold, stay gold. Join the inner circle. Follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. That's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. You can visit local tobacconists and join the movement that is Casa, excuse me, Cavalier Cigars. Uh, they're consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings by the cigar industry press. Uh, you'll want to follow them on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars. They do very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold and stay gold. And by um, J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 100-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District in Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as El Rahol, J.C. Newman rolls premium cigars by both hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the All-American Cigar, The American. The J.C. Newman Pencil Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and its Brickhouse, Pearl de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua Cigars hand, uh, hand-rolled headquarters. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond Cigars are handmade by tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And we want to mention Drew Estate, um, dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Scars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. A masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield and Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Black and Scars M81 by Drew Estate is a rich and powerful but beautifully balanced offering uh, that has tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. And remember, all the live streaming for the uh, primetime show, including the California Studios, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. So we're going to get into our Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust uh, Industry Talk Deliberation segment. And there's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Corita Tricky Chaka and 2022 with the Mi Corita Saka Khan. 
Visit TD, visit DTT Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. All right, I got my voice back, which is good. I got to go not to retro hail right before doing that. <laughs> That's so a I'm good like, idea. That was the mistake I made. <laughs> I did a big retro hail, and uh, this time I, I kind of got. All right, tonight's topic. We may have touched on this topic before, but I wanted to expand on it because I got into a a bit of a discussion with some folks on social media on this this week, and okay. It is involving cigar, our favorite topic, cigar reviews, right? Yeah. And the debate came. There was um, there was a there was a comment made um about one reviewer in particular was very steadfast, saying if he um reviews a cigar he doesn't like, he is not going to talk about it. Right. Um, steadfast, not talk about the review. And not review the cigar. Um, and I was surprised to see a number of other reviewers agree with that, as well as and I, there were a lot of consumers that agreed with that too. Um, I think well, I'll just say this, I think every reviewer has a right to do what they want, but I couldn't disagree with that comment more, Aaron, right. when, when it was out. And I know you probably feel the same way about that. I yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little about this tonight. Um, for some of the reasons why. So um, I'll start off with you, Aaron. Why is that not a good practice to do that? Um, to me, as a reviewer, um, the whole point is to share your opinion on cigars, whether it's good or bad. Um, once you establish a bit of a readership, you know, they're kind of looking at you for some sort of an opinion on uh, a wide range of cigars, right? Um, if you are not publishing reviews um, for cigars you don't like, you leave it up to the reader to determine if it's a cigar that you didn't like or if it's a cigar that you just haven't gotten a chance to review. Um, and without, if you don't kind of make that known to the readership or the listenership or however they're consuming your content, um, if you don't, if you don't say I don't, re I don't review. I don't publish the reviews of the cigars I don't like, um, and they don't know that. Then that's kind of up in the air for them. And uh, you know, like you know, they say, "Oh, I'm I'm really interested in so and so's opinion on X cigar," but you never publish a review of it. They're like, "Well, maybe they didn't like it, um, so maybe I'll stay away from it." And you you know, by not sharing something, um, you kind of leave it kind of up in the air, I think, and it doesn't it doesn't help in that in that regard. Um, but I, I just think that you need to kind of give people a, a barometer on where you sit uh, on different cigars so that they know, like, this person likes these kind of cigars. Or they don't like these kind of cigars or, you know, this one in particular they don't like. So um, I just think it gives you more transparency by publishing everything. Oh, yeah, I'm in agreement with that. So I'm going to in full disclosure, I probably was one of those people early on. Um, if you followed Seth guys back in the old Seth humidor days, Seth used mm -hmm. to only review cigars that were 90 and above. Right. Um, I'll say I think Seth changed on that. I changed that. I think I'm going to give you a lot of credit, Aaron, um, because I think you opened my eyes on a lot of things in terms of exactly what you said. And I think for you know about probably the last eight years or so, I've I've definitely have changed on that where I do think it's important. And I think. I think, like you said, I think kicking the can is not the answer, right? Yeah. And here's the other thing. 
if someone's going and spending X number of dollars on a cigar, that cigar, you know, I think you don't, I think your job as a reviewer is to make the determination that whether they should go buy that cigar or not. And if you're saying you're not recommending that cigar or that cigar just didn't do well, um, you, I, be, I feel we owe it to give that opinion. Yeah. I've never seen Aaron, you go after anyone personally on right. this. And I hope I haven't done that either. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I think it's very important to share that opinion as well. And the review gives you a reason for why you have that opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, and ultimately, I think with you, Aaron, it comes down to one thing, flavor. Yep. Yep. I think flavor, is, and that's something that I think you've really imparted on me over the past few years. If that flavor is not for you, you need to explain why that flavor is not for you. Yeah. And, and I think it helps people understand that um, you know, not all cigars are great cigars. Like, you know, there are going to be cigars that, you know, that you like a lot. There's going to be cigars that you think are okay. And there's going to be cigars that you don't think are good at all. It doesn't mean that it's a bad cigar. It doesn't mean that somebody else isn't going to like that cigar. Um, so, you know, you, you just have to kind of be honest with yourself to be able to understand that and accept that. Um, because I think when, when everything is just always positive, 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 it kind of takes away the fact that like, you know, there are different levels of how good something can be. Um, and when everything's just on that, you know, on that upward trend, um, you just, you, you kind of lose, you lose sight of uh, what the, what the whole, like there are so many cigars out there. Yeah, and there's so many new cigars released every year that we right. can't review all of them. Like, you just can't get to them. So when you even you know you lower the group by that by saying I'm only going to review the ones I like, like you you just make your pool of possibilities so much lower. Um, so you know pe- people smoking frequency is different. Some people smoke maybe one cigar a week, one cigar a month, right. whatever it is, you know. And there are some people that smoke five cigars a day every day, so they have a chance to smoke a ton of different stuff and maybe some people like to smoke different stuff all the time maybe some people just like their you know five five lines that they want to smoke so um my whole my whole goal in publishing the reviews is um has just been you know it's my experience in going through uh a cigar journey and smoking as much different stuff as i can yep uh i'll share that with people if they find it interesting if they don't they don't have to read it it doesn't hurt my feelings at all um, but like, I just want to create a catalog of as much stuff as I possibly can so that somebody can say, Hey, this guy smokes a, a ton of stuff and he'll tell you whether he likes it or he doesn't like it. I can at least get some sort of a, a starting point to say, this is something that intrigues me. He didn't like it, but I might like it. I'm still going to try it. Or he didn't like it. And I kind of go along with what his thoughts are. So I may, you know, I'll try it to see if he's right or wrong. So there's just it gives you it gives you so many more possibilities I think when you share you know truthful information across the board. It is, and I also found that while we know that there is sensitivity with manufacturers at times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in general, I think when you establish yourself as a reviewer and you're doing that, most you, you you'll get that call occasionally, but I think for the most part it does you get a lot more respected with the stuff you do like. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I look at like Aaron, the last few years, what you guys have done with your list, right? The development palettes list, people, it, it has a lot of respect. When mm-hmm. when you are when you guys are putting your top cigars out there, people know like man, those cigars went through the ringer. Yeah, and and I, I and that that really I think it, it adds to your credibility. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, even even like you have the joke of hate and everything, but you know it's yeah. um, but when you when when Aaron likes a cigar, it's noticed. Yeah. It's noticed. Believe me. I think there's a second reason, and and I don't know if you've been through this one. I went through this one, and I'll say the cigar because I was very public on it. Um, when you're spending time on the review, you're spending time. Yep. It's, it's, it is hours to put a review out. There's a lot of time invested in it. Mm-hmm. And when you're through a review cycle and you're going three cigars in and you're having problems with that cigar, and, and the one that I'm going to mention is the Cohiba Serie M. Right. I mean, I, I, you, you guys – you know, I talked to you a lot about the construction issues I was having yep. with that cigar. I yep. mean, at I was at a point I had to push that review through. Mm-hmm. It, it, I cannot. There was so much time invested. I went through five. No, I went through seven cigars on that thing. Okay, yep. when you go through seven. Like you, you guys go through one. Okay, imagine yep. doing this now seven times. Yeah, I have nothing to show for that at that point. And and right. you know what? I think that that experience needs to be documented. Um, why you know what what happened here? I mean, I think it needs to go, be documented. And, and you know, look, there's other people who didn't have that experience, and, and I, I did. And I felt I needed to kind of go through it. This cigar had major construction issues, and it affected the flavor and affected everything else with that, and, and, and it had to come out on that. Yeah, I think that's a good point because um, if, you ha- if you have a review of a cigar across multiple media outlets, right, yeah. you can get a sense of, you know, consistency in regards to construction, you know, Flavor perception is going to be different for everybody. So you you can't necessarily say this is the flavor that everybody got. And sometimes that can happen, but like, you know, everybody's going to get different nuances and things like that. But it's a really a good gauge on, on construction. You know, if you see some people have good uh, experiences and some people have bad experiences, you may have a sense that, you know, when I, when I try this out, you know, based on what I've seen, Maybe there's a 70% chance that it's well constructed and 30% chance that it's not. And there's maybe some inconsistency in this in this line of cigars or this batch of that production, things like that. So it can give you a sense. And then you can see it where you know you have good construction across the board from all the, the media outlets that publish. And like this is a pretty well constructed cigar. It's consistently yeah. done across all these sites. But you know, if people that don't publish that, you may you may get a, a bad sense of it and you're like, well, I got this bad experience with the construction. This cigar, you know, I smoked a couple of these. They were plugged. Nobody else mentioned that. But if people had that experience and they didn't publish a review because of that, you, you there was information that was out there that wasn't shared with you. And it, that can yeah. be a bit of a bummer, I think. Yeah. And, you know, with the Cohiba one, I had some people say, well, I really like that cigar. But you're right. I had that wrapper was fragile. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I, I even made a point making sure those cigars were under the same conditions as every other cigar. Yeah. One humidor I use for for everything. So, um, you know, that's I, I be very, you know, and I was very careful with that. You know, Charlie made a comment. Here. He says, dog turds, the dog turds. What reviewer score do you give to a dog turd? That's how the score. comes. Yeah, it's not going to be a high score. Yeah, it's not. And I think uh, one thing with the developing palette system is I think you guys really are able as much as people say they don't understand it, guess what? I think it, it does show it. Yeah. Uh, when, when you guys have, because a lot of stuff, let's, let's be fair, Aaron, you don't 
there's not a stuff I've heard you say is 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 crap. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just a cigar I'm not coming back to. It. You know, I, we may have had a score in the three at some point, but that's a like rare. I said, I can't I can't remember what it is. So it would be a super rare occurrence that it does. Right. Um. So you know, people can understand the scale. You know, most of the people that say they don't, they're joking around with us. Yeah. They, you know, but um, yeah. The score on the scale, as long as you work your scale correctly, you should be able to, you know, tell that it it didn't do well based on how it how it shakes out yeah. in your yeah. kind of normal range of scores. Yeah, and, and you know, there's reviewers I think that fall into different roles. Some yeah. one role of a review, like some reviewers are influences. Yeah, and they don't want to do that because their job is they're trying to influence people. But yeah. I think when it, when I hear the word influences, it's positive influences all the time right 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 i don't um, think there's i don't think there's anybody out there that the their goal of influencing is to steer people away from brands or fr- from particular cigars right yeah I, i've seen a couple people writing reviews i'm never revisiting this brand again that is wrong yeah that's wrong that, that is completely wrong and i've i've heard people dismiss a line because they've had a bad experience with a vitola yeah and i can tell you that one that I can, I'll never forget was the Avo Synchro. I went mm. through like three or four of those. When we were doing Stogie Geeks and we do Stogies a week. And every time we were doing a Vitola, it just came out bad. I got right. to the Gordo one and suddenly that one was like, this was actually really good in my mind. Yep. And we had the same reaction with that where, you know, hey, look, we didn't like these other sizes, but that Gordo size actually performed quite well, you know, and yeah. it was a surprise. So I think, you know, you don't want to ever, and I always joke with Aaron, oh, you smoked the wrong size. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, um, and we do try to find a size that I would say is, but there's no science to it. Once there you go none. down the road, no. once you go down that road, you're down that road, you're investing time. I mean, yeah. It's just, I remember, you know, now I'm doing so much. Like now I'm, the photo editing takes a lot longer than it used to. Um, mm-hmm. Just things like that. It's uh, the background information I'm researching. I, I just can't. Unfortunately, I, I feel that my time is, I got to talk about, yeah, I've spent a lot of time reviewing this too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've heard Charlie say, do you think it's fun to go through this? <laughs> right, exactly. It's not. I mean, I've heard you say it too. Like, like, yeah. like but damn, I don't want to, you know. You know, so it, it happens. It's not a fun thing. And but I've never heard you attack anyone personally or attack a brand personally. But yeah. there is a case that sensitivity does pop up a lot of times with that. Yeah, I mean, um, the, way, the way I look at it is that we're, we're reviewing cigars. Um, we're not reviewing the people. Uh, we're not reviewing the brand uh, as a whole. And, you know, from a particular cigar. So, um, you know, I don't think that there's any brands that we've, you know, um, written bad reviews on everything that we've ever smoked from them. Um, you know, there's going to be cigars that we like and cigars that we don't like from every brand. Yep. Um, you know, there's, uh, I'll, I'll use Illusione as an example. There's cigars I really love from Illusione. Yeah. There's also cigars I really don't like from Illusione. Um, and that's just the way it works. And that's yeah. the way it's supposed to work. Like yeah. if you, if you, you know, Yes. There's a possibility that you can like everything somebody makes. I understand that that's a possibility, but in reality, most of the time, there's going to be cigars that you like a lot better than other cigars you like from a certain brand. So yep. it's just that's the way it works out. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that as well. You know, like I see sometimes the new reviewers come in, 
And a newer viewer, like I, when they ask me what to review, I say, here's the thing. Don't review your favorite cigar. Yeah. Is what I'll tell them. And don't review a cigar that you detest. Try to find something that's an, an unknown to you. Right. And then don't be afraid of a mediocre score. Like, that's another thing I see some people afraid. Like, when, when a cigar's not scoring a 90, they feel, you know, they kind of, well, this notion of it's a bad a bad cigar. But it's not, no, go ahead yeah. and publish that thing. Yep. Um. You may take some lumps early on, but I think you will get respect a lot quicker. Um, and, and I'm telling you, because this is I came from the other school that I came from the wrong school of doing that. And I think when I made some of the changes, it helped out a lot. And I think it, it, yeah. it boasted my credibility on that more. But it took, you know, but I came from that. I can tell you that's not the right way to go. If someone went down that road in the past. And I think. I think reviewers, there's always a progression in in how you're doing it. Like yeah. you, you're, you're never going to start off like with the perfect system. Uh, you know, all that, that it, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Like you learn in anything you, you're always learning. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to figure out what works, what doesn't work. Um, and then, you know, the good ones will kind of, will review their, their own stuff and say, what am I reviewing? Am I reviewing in this little window of brands or am I reviewing in this certain uh, formula of profiles, certain tobaccos, things like that? And like I said, I think the good ones kind of look at that and say, all right, I need to start expanding, you know, these walls here of what I'm reviewing, uh, whether it's price point, whether, like I said, it's tobaccos, profiles, brands, whatever it is, you got to start expanding that out kind of just reviewing your process, all that stuff. Like, you know, how honest am I being with myself in, in these reviews? Like, you know, are my scores really condensed? Should I, do I need to expand this out so that I can show differentiation between these cigars so that people can really understand that there are nuances between, uh, you know, these 20 cigars that all scored a 90, Yeah, you know? So those kinds of things are just things that, you know, over time, uh, most people will pick up and they'll, you know, they'll start to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ironically, I think more issues I get from people complaining about a review. Sometimes when I comment on a packaging, particularly I've been doing a lot more of that lately. That's where people get a lot more butthurt, particularly right. some of the brand owners who a lot more focused. They're getting they feel they're getting a good blend, but their their baby is the packaging of that cigar. Right. They get it out of factory. And. Well, that doesn't factor into a score. If I comment on that and say something, I get that, you know, that I could tell if they're reading, reading it as well. <laughs> because Yeah. And that, and, you know, that goes on the difference in regards to, uh, you know, cigar company's goal is to sell cigars. Right. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I'm not trying to say this in a negative fashion, yeah, uh, but it's a reality sometimes is that sometimes the, sometimes the blend itself is not the, uh, the focus. Sometimes the packaging is the focus, focus to sell it, yep, right? Yep. So you know, uh, speaking for myself, my whole goal, as you mentioned before, is about the flavor. I really don't care about the packaging in regards. To, uh, I want to know how the cigar smokes, how it right. tastes, how it performs, all that kind of stuff. That's that's where I'm focused. So right. you can have uh, you know wonderful packaging, all that stuff, fancy bands, whatever it is. But if the cigar doesn't uh, speak to me in regards to flavor, uh, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to get a good score because it's just, I don't, I don't buy based on packaging. I don't base, buy based on the story, any of that stuff. Like that's, 
you know that some people that's fine if you if that's right. how you consume cigars that's okay to do it i'm not saying you're wrong but um, that's right your mantra just, that's not for me it's not for right. me yeah I, I take a little different approach because i I, ha- I include stuff in there but mo- that stuff's not scored yeah it's the same thing we do the we do all, all the prelate stuff so we comment on the bands we ca- comment on the rapper um how everything looks and stuff like that but it doesn't it's not into the score at all it's just a just a descriptor. There's a, there's no scoring that is weighed in on that. So a cigar can look horrible and smoke and taste really good, and then it's going to score well, that, or it can look fancy and then not taste well, and it scores that way. So yeah, no, I I'm in a definite agreement. I've had some of the ugliest looking cigars get yeah. some very good scores, and I've had some beautiful wrappers just like yeah. completely fall down. So yeah. when it when it comes to that, um, with that, and and look, you know, like I said, it's uh, I've had some cigars this past year that um, were highly rated. And we're going to be talking with Charlie uh, next week on on your show. But, um, you know, I've had some cigars, you know, it's just like, they just don't do anything for me, you know, with that. Um, And I can't like, you know, like I'll give you a good, you know, the uh, knuckle sandwich Habano wasn't one that really hit me. Um, And, it wasn't on like it wasn't on my list because of a time thing. And that was reviewed. I just, I just, but that cigar, a lot of people liked it. Same with Kintsugi yeah. was another one. Uh, it just didn't hit me. But you know, um, again, that's what I. It goes back to people want my opinion on the cigar. If they're reading my reviews, they could disagree with it, and that's totally fine with that. I want them to disagree with it if they disagree with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think we we just have to share our personal opinions on the cigars. Um, I think, I think for those that try to make it like, you know, uh, kind of being very broad and saying like, you know, this is, I didn't care for it, but it's a good cigar. You should smoke it kind of a thing. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you assess that, you know? Um, I think you just got to share your thoughts on it. Um, because that's, I think what people are reading for, they want, they want more of a personal opinion rather than, um, uh, just kind of a general like catalog yeah. description about a cigar. Do you get asked any time about doing a worst cigar list? Yeah, people ask uh like the you know the bottom 25 cigars or whatever like that. I know I asked you like privately that. on something, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, but uh, <laughs> but I mean publicly I get asked a lot yeah, to I do mean, it. I, I don't think I would uh, uh, be opposed to sharing it uh in regards to like just linking it somewhere, but I don't I'm not going to make an article about it. Like that's no, you know, I, I, yeah. we've already published a review, so you could see the review and you could see the score we gave it and all those things. So it's not like I'm it's not like we're hiding it or anything like that. Yeah. You could go back and look at any score and see what we thought about it. So that it's out there, but to um, to publicize the worst ones, it's there's I don't see a point to it. I don't see a point of it either. Now the funny call, I, the call I get sometimes or the message I'll get is, "Well, how come you didn't like that cigar?" Well, <laughs> that's what the review is. Yeah. Exactly. That's, what, that's what the review is. Go into yeah. the review that and it, and it explains it. <laughs> I don't. I can. I, I see people sometimes. They they try to explain it, right? Yeah. And I'm like, don't try to explain it. Your review should have explained that already. Mm-hmm. And if you if, you, if mm-hmm. it didn't, you didn't do your job with the review. That's my opinion. And, and the same goes the other way. If you can't explain why you liked it so much, I right. I was very critical of Barry's 102 because it didn't seem like a 100. It, I, you know, it just seemed like he really liked the cigar. And I'm like, okay, yeah. but why was it a 102? No one could right. ever, he couldn't explain that to me on that. Yeah. Um, again, he could do whatever he wants. That's his site, but that's what I look for. When I see a very high score and we'll, you and I will go like, we'll, we'll point out certain high scores and we like, 
you know, and then we read the reasons and it's uh, right. Yeah. So uh, I'll never forget. Um, I had a company that uh, this, they were a company I, I knew pretty well. And someone gave the cigar a 90 of uh, one of his cigars a 97. Mm-hmm. And I've never given this guy's cigar even close to a 97. Right. And I get a phone call. And usually I don't like to comment on uh, any of that stuff. Because, again, that's when I get a phone call, that you have to talk to the reviewer. Don't talk to me yeah. about that. That's not. But the call was interesting because it was like, yeah, I got this 97. And I don't understand why I got a 97. <laughs> right. I, said, I said, what do you mean? You should have been hired. He goes, no. He goes, I don't think it is a 97. It's my cigar. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah. So like, you know, and I think that's. um. And look, I've had on this show, okay, one of the lowest scores I gave was that El Talo. Okay. And I, I bust yeah. on you about but it was the lowest one of the lowest scores I ever gave. And I got called out on the show to explain it. And I yep. said, you know, something has to fall to the bottom. <laughs> this yep, one just fell exactly. to the bottom. It, it didn't speak to me. And uh and by the way, that's what that person uh became a sponsor of mine, actually. Right. Yep. So uh yeah, so I I don't think people need to I, I've heard this notion you don't want to damage the industry. You're not damaging the industry, but your review is not going to damage any credibility in the industry. Has Charlie damaged the credibility of anything or have you damaged the credibility of any brand when you've given a loss? No, it's not happened. It's not happened at all. It's part of the territory. Yeah. Yeah. That was an interesting discussion um, this week. So uh, my advice is to do it. Don't be afraid to do it. Uh, And if you're going to be the one, you know, if you're reviewing, you got to just be prepared to take some lumps to it. It's just, it's going to happen. Yep. Yep. All right. I think we're at the end, Aaron. Unless there's anything else you want to add here? Uh, just that uh, we're on Developing Palettes. We're doing the uh, year-end uh, cigar media recap show on Monday. Yep. Uh, the four, uh, sorry, the sixth. Yep. Uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll be on Facebook. Uh, Coop, you'll be on there. Charlie from Half will be on there. Uh, the development palette team will be on there. Well, it's a uh, seventh year in a row that we've done it. It's kind of recapping our thoughts on the on the yeah. year of cigars and kind of a little bit of a look forward into 2023 and what we expect to happen. So yeah. it's always a fun time. So yep. yeah, uh, and, people and find it interesting. I made a big change on Coop this year. I, I told Aaron and we had discussions on it is we're hold that's our show where we're going to do that. So uh, I, I avoided every year end show for a lot of reasons this year because I think we that's our that's always been our you've always done the year end recap that's part of what we've done for seven years and i think yep. we want to keep that show uh as the first one to have that so right. so we'll be talking a lot about the year end cigars and that's why i've avoided it for a while but um we had to get through everything everyone had to finish up what they were doing and and yep. i think and that will be the policy going forward every year right now mm-hmm. on that um and i think it's gonna make for a, a much better show going forward because i felt like even i'm rehashing i'm like this is you know how many times can i rehash this Right. And I think it needed to be, you know, in, in what we've established here. So I'm looking forward to it because there's a lot I'm going to say with that as well. Nice. Yeah. Um. So uh, that will be going on there. So I'm looking forward to that. So uh, on primetime, we have a full slate of shows next week. Um. Starting, uh, we're doing two shows related to the big game. Uh, Monday, Dave Burke and I are doing the, uh, we're going to be previewing the Super Bowl halftime show. Nice. Uh, which which Dave is more excited about than uh, the game. <laughs> uh, he's just into Rihanna. So uh, this Dave's going to be driving that show on Monday. I can tell you that. Uh, then we have Carney coming on on Tuesday. 
Uh, he does. We'll be actually talking about the game on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And then next Thursday, uh, two fifty six. Uh, Pete Johnson is going yes. to be on the show. And by the way, just so uh, folks, when I so we were kind of going through, we were looking for a guest for next week, and I always I got Aaron. Hey, what about getting Pete? And he's like, Yeah, let's do it, right? <laughs> um, I did not know that Aaron in developing palettes had that cigar, um, um, which was the uh, the Cohete Capa Special number yep. one. I did not know that. In fact, I didn't think it was to be top five. I mean, I was right. I was trying to guess what it was. So we asked Pete, and actually I messaged Pete. I said. Pete, I didn't know. I just <laughs> very surprised on that yeah. number one. I can tell you that. So, yeah. um, so yeah. So that was how that. But we we did give the person of the year that I did know, but no, he did right. know that. But uh, but yeah. So we have, we had Pete. We have Pete on next Thursday, and that should be that's always a good show. Um, yes. we have a big lineup coming up the next few weeks of shows. So yeah, we have some. Uh, you know, we'll be announcing them, but we I think we have a really good lineup of guests going into um, March. So mm-hmm. uh. So we got some shows lined up here. We're getting back into the routine of things. There'll be another week off when we're at TPE and uh, Pro Cigar, but and then February is kind of a, just a short month, so right. Uh, but yeah, we have some good stuff. So definitely want to. Uh, I think we got a good lineup going forward, um, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. Uh, and then you're publishing some more data coming out, right? Yeah. So Tuesday next week, uh, we'll publish our value list. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the cigars that, um, have the best value based on price and score. And then, uh, on Thursday, uh, we will publish, um, kind of our, all our, you know, behind the review numbers. So, uh, average review, uh, price, and then, um, our scoring based on, um, country, um, and, uh, information in regards to sponsors versus not sponsors, cigars that we purchased versus cigars that were sent to us, all that kind of stuff. So similar to what you did, the kind of the call out that said, you know, kind of sharing that transparency behind all yeah. that, uh, just gives it away, you know, a way for people to see kind of how all those numbers stack up. So, you know, all those questions that come up, like, oh, you give better scores to your sponsors, things like that. It just kind of, yeah. you know, kind of takes those questions out of there and, yeah. um, you know, people get to see all that information like you share. Yeah, it was interesting because I was when I was down at uh, Pearl Sabor, uh, Omar DeFrias was with me, mm-hmm. and we a conversation started, um, and it kind of led to that road. And I kind of pointed out what we're doing on this stuff, and Omar's eyes were opened up on terms of when he saw that data and how we were all breaking down that data. Yeah. He was amazed with it um, that there was you know that that sites were doing that. Right. So, and it opened his eyes on a lot of. Like, we had a long conversation with this actually. Yeah. Um, he did a. If you saw it, there was a video. Uh, did you see the video he did? No. He me, like shout out. That was why he gave me the shout out in the video. Oh, okay. Just because he was like, like he was very interested in that that analytical data, because yeah. uh, I think it it says a lot. And we we break it down pretty detailed. I mean, I know I added the price. Like you did the breakdown by price a few years ago, and I added that last year. Right. And I think that's some very interesting data. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think as more people in the industry notice that stuff, um, I think it's important to have that transparency going forward. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, what we're reviewing or not. And, and I thought Charlie started doing it too. In fact, he added the sponsor piece this year, uh, which he hadn't uh, added before. They don't use your sample. So that was right. pretty easy with them. But yep. yeah, so, um, so I think it's like I said, starting to get noticed, it's important to do that as Good. well. All right, that's it, guys. So I think we're all done here. Um, That's going to wrap up Primetime Episode 255 into the Annals of History for 
Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. Now, Friday, February 3rd from the Eastern Time Zone. We'll see everybody next time. Take care, everybody. Thanks again to uh, Luis and Alec. We'll see you guys next time. See you guys.